0: Para su ¡Ayos!
1: Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network, and that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims, so we should take a deep breath and not be too hasty to um, dash off into things that are not toward our best interests, and we are so excited today to be talking about Uh, african liberation day which is coming up uh next week is that correct brother ajamu umi
2: that is correct Uh, may 25th
1: right right and you are an organizer for the all african people's revolutionary party since 1984 so you've got some experience here that we can talk about this morning and you uh Organized for the party on three continents and the Caribbean that's so awesome. There's an exhibit currently at the Museum of the African diaspora, and it's looking um uh all the artists are Caribbean artists and and they're looking at sort of issues of colonialism and uh and the effects of enslavement of our people and the distribution of our people and all those riches in the Caribbean so I'm sure if you haven't seen it, you will really resonate with that particular exhibit. It's up through August. And uh, you have a master's degree in uh, economics and political science. Oh, that's so perfect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you've authored and published four books. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I should have been sent a few of them. <laughs> so we have to definitely do this again. Uh, a political Absolutely. thriller? A political yeah. thriller. Oh, that sounds scary. Wonderful. Um, The Paradox yeah. Principles. Whoa, well, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate you having us. Um, we, we really appreciate you and, you know, forces like you who are out here trying to uh, provide truth. So thank you.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm really happy I'm on your mailing list. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. so
1: that I know about, you know, uh, what's going on. Oh, this really wonderful photos from uh, last year, the march. So tell us about yeah. African Liberation Day 2019, and, um, yeah, give us the highlights, and then maybe give us some background on what is African Liberation Day.
2: Okay, thank you again. So African Liberation Day um, goes back to April 15, 1958, When Kwame Nkrumah, who was uh, the uh, first president of the West African country, Ghana, um, he had held a conference in Ghana um, for the eight independent African states at that time, and they declared April 15th Africa Freedom Day. And then in 1963, the name was changed to African Liberation Day. And the concept behind African Liberation Day is that all people of African descent are Africans and belong to the African nation. And until Africa is free, no African anywhere on earth will ever be free. So we commemorate African Liberation Day worldwide to create an institution for us to rally around this concept and this movement of pan-Africanism. And so um, we are organizing in the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. We are participating and organizing in 15 African Liberation Days around the world, most of them in Africa. And the closest one to my geographical location is Oakland, California, and so on uh, Saturday, May 25th, we'll be having our commemoration there. Um, we we will have um, Mr. Fab, who's a local um, hip-hop artist in the Oakland area, will be there performing. We'll also have uh, Sister Kuji Chagalia and Val Serant will be performing um, and then we also have a number of our uh, what we call alliances, other communities, non-African communities who are also fighting for justice and liberation, who are invited to participate, like the American Indian Movement, Anak Bayan, which is a Filipino youth organization, the Arab Resource um, Organizing um, Center, which is a, a, a Palestinian uh, focus group around Palestinian issues, El Partido de la Unida which is uh, an indigenous Latino political party, um, the Irish Republican Socialist Movement, So, um, as well as other African organizations are also participating. So there's going to be a community meal, so everybody that comes will be able to to eat, Um, and there's no charge for any of the events, and it will be at the Faranga Community Center in East Oakland, 985 85th Avenue from 12 p.m. until 5 p.m. Saturday, May 25th. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, sounds... uh... Sounds like a really really full day. Yes,
3: definitely.
1: Yeah, and so our is it beginning with the um, uh, the March first? Is it gonna? Are you all gonna exactly. people who are there yeah. gonna march? Okay, so yeah, it's a really nice picture. I'm gonna link to it um, so people can just click on uh, your name and go there um, so they can see this wonderful picture. Tell us about the March because that's a new addition. to the African
2: Liberation Day? Sure. And we have marches in um, many of the African Liberation Days that we organize and participate in. We haven't been doing it in the Oakland generation, but um, the last couple of years we we have included it. And so this year we really want to highlight it. And so we're asking people to be at the community center at noon. Um, We also ask people to wear all white um, because at African liberation days around the world. That's what people will be doing. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, belief and concept that, well, African people could never get together. We can't unify. And so African liberation day really slaps that myth in the face. And so, you know, it's a wonderful thing to have hundreds of thousands of African people all over the world wearing white and doing the same thing. So the march you know, we'll ask people to assemble and we'll just march through the streets of East East Oakland. Um we'll have some drumming, we'll have um, a, a welcoming by the indigenous people. Um and then we'll we'll engage the march and just try to you know engage people along the route in their houses, encourage them to come out, give them literature about the fight that we're engaged in. And um, it's just a wonderful way, wonderful energy and a wonderful way to start the day.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell us about, about your work and how you came to, um, to be a member of the All African People's Revolutionary Party and, and you know, do all this organizing on all these continents.
2: Yes. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a misconception that's been around for a long time about the All African People's Revolutionary Party when when our elder mm-hmm. Kwame Ture, who was known as Stokely Carmichael, was a land of course, he was at that time our best known organizers and in that period in the 70s and 80s the party made a decision to organize on college campuses just strictly within the U.S. and in Europe mm. and at that time a lot of people criticized that move you know because people misinterpreted it They they felt that well they're on college campuses when our people are suffering in these neighborhoods and communities and of course You know, we understood that um, the tactic of organizing on the college campus was strictly to recruit people who um, were going to these institutions to gain skills and experience. But what we see is that when the majority of our people who do that, they don't use their skills and experience to advance our people. They use them to work in corporate America and to abandon the masses of our people. So we feel like education belongs to the masses of the people because it was the masses who fought for us to have that opportunity. So that was the reason behind the tactics. So myself, I was a student in college at that time, and heard Brother Kwame speak and then also worked with some of the local organizers here in Sacramento, California, where I live at that time. And so that was how I came to join the party. And once I became a member and I I threw myself 100% into the work and have tried to continue to do that, for as long as I've been involved and plan to continue to do it as long as I'm still alive. And so that has just opened wonderful opportunities for me to represent the party and do party work. I've been able to travel to Cuba and meet our sister Asada Shakur and and do a lot of wonderful things like that, work in our schools in Africa and just do a a lot of wonderful work. So I, I feel like I'm fortunate and honored to struggle for our people and and gain the opportunities that I've had in my life as a result of doing that.
1: Mm, wow. Yeah. Um which uh which college were you at when you um you know when you were introduced to uh the uh, all African Peoples Revolutionary Party?
2: So I like to call it Sacrificial State or Sacramento State University. Um so that was that was where I graduated from, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, nice, nice. I was like, wow, I wish I wish someone had been organizing, you know, when I was at UC Berkeley 'cause I I, yeah. I didn't know about it until I was grown and my children were almost grown. <laughs> uh yeah, and I think I learned about it from Nihonda. You know. Yes. Um when yeah. Quite a while ago, when both she we, and we've i' all were, we've all
2: um, learned a lot from Sister may Honda, no doubt about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: wow wow and um uh and so this this last year and this year um in so far as historically and next year are are pretty pivotal you know for um those of us in the pan african diaspora um there was um I think it was like the sixtieth anniversary of of right. um yeah, yeah, maybe you could talk about that, and then this year, you know the whole idea of um the uh the return you know sort of 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 people of African descent to Ghana um right the year of return and all of those various activities that are happening. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, about this 400 years. And then next year is the 2020, which is the centennial of the Honorable Marcus Maga- Mosiah Garvey's um, uh, big uh, meeting in Madison Square Garden of people of the African yep. diaspora, where he was um, elected as provisional president for United States of Africa and and there's mm-hmm. been a call to have a a similar vote next
2: year. Yes. Yeah, that's excellent. And I and I think um you know it all ties into to what you're saying like in December there was a huge commemoration for the 60th year since the All African Peoples Conference that Kwame Nkrumah convened in Ghana in 1958 um that the APRP was essential in helping organize in Accra, Ghana, at the University of Legon, and we had a huge commemoration there. And then three months before that um, was the 50th year commemoration of the writing of the Handbook of Revolutionary Warfare, which Nkrumah wrote in 1968 when he was in Guinea Conakry. And that book um, we use as, as our strategic guideline for the work that we're doing to implement Pan-Africanism around the world. So we had a huge commemoration in Ghana that I was fortunate enough to to be there to participate in, and and, and what we had was essentially um, organizations who are working with us to come together to form this united formation of Pan-African freedom fighters, which is what Nkrumah wrote about in the handbook. So in the handbook, he calls for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. So at that 50th commemoration in September 2018, we had the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, the, the African Party for the Independence of Guinea-Bissau, which is the PAIGC, mm-hmm. which was founded by milcar Cabral, who is, is is a sister party for us in this vision and Kruma created the pan-africanist congress of azania or what they call south africa um, the emil kar cabral ideological institute of nigeria um, was there participating and then there are many other organizations that we have this relationship with the pan-african union of sierra leone um, and many others And and i just want to say about that quickly is that, you know, there, there's there been a lot written about the life of Kwame Ture or formerly Stokely Carmichael, and most of what is written talks about how, you know, he was such a great organizer in the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the Black Panther Party. Of course, that's absolutely true, but the last 30 years of his life, the first seven years of his life, he dedicated to those two wonderful organizations. The last 30 years of his life, he dedicated to building the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. So he, I just want to, shout his name out because he made a major contribution to helping cement those relationships with all of these revolutionary Pan-African formations that um, in his day, much of that was theoretical. Today, it's practical. It's on the ground. We're actually doing that work. And the last thing is you mentioned returning to Ghana, and I just have to say that um, one of the things that we're doing is we definitely think this is a wonderful thing. You know, our people – here especially in the western world have to find some way to get home to Africa there there there's so many lies that we've been told about who we are who we aren't what our interests are and our enemies know that um their ability to control wealth and control the world is based on them continuing to exploit Africa this this economy in this country is based on exploiting Africa today in 2019. So the only they know the only way that will continue is if they can keep us focused on everything except Africa. So the more that our people focus in on Africa and go home to places like Ghana is great. In fact, um, we have a Saturday school here that we um, help facilitate, and there are children here in Sacramento who are going to Ghana in July. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to send as many of our people as possible home to Africa. And actually, on my, my latest book, The Paradox Principles, I'm donating all the proceeds that people buy it to these kids, these children, these African children being able to go to Ghana. So, yeah, this is definitely, a, a, as you said, a pivotal moment where our people can begin to – because once we, once we recognize, you know, who we are in relationship to this pan-African struggle, no matter where we live on earth, and we begin to understand that and and focus our vision on in on that there's really nothing they're gonna be able to do to stop those from getting free
1: mm. yeah, yeah, um wow, so tell me a little more about about the uh the Saturday school in sacramento and um yeah and um and and, and how people can can support the uh the trip to, uh, to Ghana for the children this summer.
2: Sure. Um, so this school was started by um, a group of young people, um, young African people, um, college students, um, who formed this, an organization called the West to West Movement. And so they came up with the concept of the school. And um, one of the sisters we sponsored in going to that 50-year commemoration in Ghana that I mentioned last mm-hmm. September. So I met her there and she is a student at um, UC Davis, sister Takara Johnson. And so um, obviously because we're so close, we, we said, yes, we'll work together. You know, we'll form a relationship. We'll, we'll continue to work together. So the first, as soon as we got back from Ghana, she and I met and she expressed to me that they needed help with the school and what I help them and, you know, helping formulate the school and teaching in the school. So that was in October of last year. And so we've been going ever since. So our, our Saturday school, it takes place the first and third Saturdays of every month at the African marketplace, which is located at 2251 Florin road in South Sacramento, where most of our people live here in Sacramento. And we have, you know, the the school is revolutionary Pan-African based curriculum. So, um, much of, like, the lessons and that I go over with the youth are dealing with, like, who are African women in history who have contributed to our struggle? So I'll talk to them about um, uh, people like Elizabeth Sabaco from Azania, South Africa, or Miriam Miranda from Honduras, or Asada Shakur, who, of course, was from here, the United Snakes of America. And so, you know, that's basically how the school functions with that kind of curriculum. The children come out, and, like I said, um they're planning west to West is planning a trip for children. they've already had one, I believe one, maybe two trips to Ghana, at least one they did um I think a couple of months ago, and so they're planning another one in July of this year. so if people want to support like you can you can either go to west to West movement and they have fundraisers like um bake sales, rummage sales, they have a lot of things that they're doing um and again my contribution to helping them is um my 740 page political thriller novel um the paradox <laughs> principles which is about it's about a group of pan african activists who are targeted by the FBI and the CIA and they decide to fight back that's the storyline that's the plot there um like i said i'm donating um the proceeds of every sale to the children so um, people can buy it by uh, it's uh, it's published through Amazon and yes I know Amazon is a monster but you know if people understand the publishing industry um, the publishing industry is a criminal enterprise so you know if you're going to publish a book it's always a question of which criminal you're going to deal with so at least by going <laughs> through them um, you have the ability to control you know what you're putting out so um, if people go there to Amazon and look up by name, a Jammu Umi and/or the Paradox Principles, and then you order it. Then the proceeds are going to the
1: children. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. The uh, the school sounds sounds really marvelous, and and what the young people are learning, adults might want to sit in as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. So tell us about more about about your creative writing. Wow, that book is an investment, isn't it? Like I'm talking I'm talking about those who decide to take the journey.
2: Yeah, and I think um, you know, of course we all know like art is a critical component in our struggle for liberation. You know, Ture, that great mm-hmm. um Pat African is revolutionary from in West Africa. Wrote and talked a lot about culture. Talked about how culture is a tool for liberation. It's the it's the vehicle we use to maintain and sustain our dignity as a people. So, you know, art plays a critical role in that. So, for me, whether whether people paint or or uh, 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 rap or sing or act or uh, whatever people do to express art, um, for me, it's creative writing, and and I wanted to create stories that project the world that I want to live in and that I want to see our people um, have the opportunity to exist in. So it just, it just provides, it just has provided a, a, a wonderful mechanism for me, a, really a therapeutic mechanism, um, because it allows me to create the world that I want to see. And then to see people read that and be inspired by that is, um it, it's one of the, the best models of work that I've been able to contribute to. So I'm just honored to be able to do it and, and, and just, you know, create a a vision in people's minds of strong women characters, strong African characters, um, people who understand the world we live in and are, are willing and, and determined to make a contribution to make it a better place.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have um your book in front of you, but I was wondering if you did if you could share a little bit from it.
2: Um I might have one here. Yes, I think I do. Yes, I do. Um so oh,
0: okay. thank <laughs> you for that
2: opportunity. Um I would love to do that. Um don't get that opportunity nearly as much as I wish I did. But um so what I can do is there's a portion of it that I can look at here that talks about um, particularly, I have to find it. It is seven hundred and forty pages, <laughs> but I'll just find i'll just <laughs> open it up and share something um so let's see there's one part in here that there's many parts, but one part I'm thinking of um so what happens is that um something happens in the beginning of the book, and it happens to one of the members of the organization and so this 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 um this organization they have they had engaged in a search and destroy mission against a a neo-nazi group in the u.s the organization is based in ghana but they had gone back to the some of them are from the u.s and most of them are you know born and raised in ghana but this neo-nazi group had in in oregon had uh begun kidnapping young african children and disappearing them Mm -hmm. and the police were uh you know, in large part, a part of the the neo-Nazi organization. So um, the Pan-African organization, knowing the police are clearly not going to solve any problems we have, um, mm-hmm. decided to do something about it. So what they decided to do was to go after the leadership of the neo-Nazi group. So they did that. And once they got back to Africa, that, that was the story in the last novel. So once they got back to Africa, um, one of mm-hmm. something happens, to one of their people. And so they assume that it's the neo-Nazis retaliating for what they did against them, but um, it turns out it's, it wasn't the neo-Nazis. It was something much bigger. And then that's when they, this, this, this version here is about them figuring out, um, okay, exactly who it is that came after them. And, and once they start to expose it, then those forces really began to come after them. Hmm. Yes. So I'm trying to see. Um how do you want me to read I can read like a page to you? What do you think?
1: Well we have we have five minutes. So Okay.
2: Cool. Mm-hmm. So um let's see. Let's do something. Okay. So I'm trying to find I'm just flipping through the pages and trying to find something here. So this is kind of without giving it away. Uh I'm gonna read a section, something has happened to um, some of the people in the group, and they're kind of um, um, on the run. I'll just put it like this. Um, and so there's a group of them that are on the run. The so-called authorities are after them, and so I'll just read this one page so that I came up with. So it's 3.45 a.m., and we are up and ready to roll out. Nitini's plan for her and Dahomey is to commandeer the vehicle and for them to come back and pick us up. Once they leave, Bridget, Jabril, and I wait by the door. It takes about 30 minutes for the huge motorhome to appear in the parking lot. The three of us grab all of our personal items and turn and jump on board. Nittany is in the driver's seat, and Tahomi opens the door for us in the back. Once we're on board, Nittany steers us away and out of there. Once we're moving, I inventory our latest transportation. It's a very nice RV. There's a huge bathroom in the back and plenty of sleeping and sitting room. It would be great if this could get us all the way to the airport in Miami. How long do you think we're good to stay in this vehicle, Nittany? I think the chances are we can make it all the way in this rig are great. From all appearances, it has been sitting there for a while. There's no reason to believe the owners will come by and pick it up within the next several hours. If all goes well for us, we won't need it after that. So let's enjoy and hope all works out. She double takes at me when she notices I'm continuing to stare at her. What? It's just that whenever those people do come for their vehicle, it won't be there. And wherever it is, it's going to be costing a lot to get it back. That's just not cool. That's all. She whips out her phone, which while keeping her eye on the road. Robert and Susan Witherspoon, 3324 West Haven Street, Jacksonville, Florida. Retail value $36,987. I knew you would say that. So we can let them know where they leave it, where we can leave it. Shoot them a check. Do whatever you want. Once we get clear. So um, this person who's talking about the RV has. Um, Made written a book that was a bestseller, so she has money. So she uses a lot of her money to help finance the movement. So that's why she's saying you can send a check for the people. Let's say, commandeer their vehicle. So that's just one page <laughs> out of it. One page I could get in the interest of time. But it's an adventure. <laughs> sure. Too.
1: Yeah. So so um, are all your books connected? Um, like do we follow characters through the various um. Uh, uh, um, novels.
2: Yeah, so three of them are. Three of them are a trilogy, basically. This is the third series, and then mm. the fourth book is a is not a fiction book. It's a book about mass incarceration. But yes, to the three oh. novels, that's true. Yes.
1: Okay. Oh, and and your um, yeah. your book that's not a part of the, uh, um, is not a novel. Is that a recent one, or like what's the name of that
2: one? It, it's 2015 it's called Mass incarceration okay. it's about it's about uh, profits not justice and it's it's actually a study so it's like an 80 page book but it 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 really focuses on in the state of California how um, prison labor was has been used by corporations and corporations, have been offered sweetheart deals to actually set up factories on prison grounds and exploit prison labor to make profit. So that's really the primary focus of that. So it, you know, the, the emphasis is that you, you create a scenario where it's profitable to send people to prison. So then now you're trying to find ways to get people in prison because it provides this exploitative labor force for these huge corporations like Walmart, um, Kmart. Um, in the 1990s, Uh, When people would call to make phone reservations through Trans World Airlines, TWA, you were more than likely talking to someone incarcerated who was taking your credit card information. And I'm making that point to emphasize how they're being exploited because they're basically making, you know, 20 cents a day to do that work during that time. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow, this has been really, really enlightening. I'm so happy to speak to you, Brother Ajamu Umi, um, yeah. about about your writing and your travels and your work and about the history of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party and African Liberation Day 2019, which is going to be pretty phenomenal. Uh, it's taking place at the uh, Tasa Faranga um, Recreation Center um, uh In uh, Oakland, 975 85th Avenue. People should get there a little earlier than 12 for the March beforehand. And it's a free event, and uh, it's from 12 noon to 5 p.m. And, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be really, really awesome. And uh, in closing, I wanted, um, I know last week, um, what was the date last week? Today's the 15th. Um, Was that the 7th? Uh, May 7th. um, was a significant anniversary um in um in pan-african culture particularly uh Ghana and i was wondering if if you could um maybe talk a little bit about that before before we close
2: so are you i'm not sure i know what you're referencing are you talking about i think um, i'm ghanaian referencing the uh, um,
1: <clears throat> ghanaian independence um
2: yeah, I, it, I, it was actually March sixth, but that's fine. Um, it's March. It was March sixth, nineteen fifty-seven, um, but it, it, you know, it which was just a couple of months ago. But it was Ghana was the first country in Africa to gain seminal independence, um, and so it was significant. Yeah, the most the, the most important thing that we take from that is that when Ghana had that. Ceremony, the day of March 6, 1957, and Kwame Nkrumah spoke on it, um, he said immediately that first day that Ghana's independence was meaningless without the total independence of all of Africa. And so, you know, for us today, like people sitting in California, what, what we would translate that to mean is that, you know, your cell phone doesn't work without Colton from the Congo, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. chocolate without the exploitative cocoa industry in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. You know, you don't have diamonds and gold without those exploitative industries. Your car doesn't exist without the exploitative zinc industry and the oil industry and the steel industry. You don't have aluminum wheels on your car without the exploitative bauxite industry in Ghana. I can go on and on, but the point is, is that for our people in this country to realize that nothing we do in life here happens without the exploitation of Africa. And so when we say Africa must be free, we're talking about creating a scenario where we're no longer just happy to have a, a, a BMW, but we're actually controlling the production of the BMW as a people collectively all over the world. So if, if people want to understand what Pan-Africanism is, that's what it's about. It's about us gaining control of resources that were that are being stolen from the same place we were stolen from
1: right yeah (laughs) cool super well again thank you so much um uh for you know just sort of sharing some of this history with us that we don't get a chance to talk about enough and uh, yeah
2: thank you very much yeah yeah we really appreciate you thank you very much for having us
1: oh you're Oh, you're quite welcome, and and definitely let's have another conversation. Um, uh, you know, sort of maybe before August, because there there are a that lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of events planned. Um, you know, around the year return, so we definitely can talk more
2: Absolutely. about this. I will definitely uh, reach out. That sounds good.
1: Okay, excellent.
2: Yes, well, indeed. We have a
1: good rest of the day. Okay. Look look forward to you seeing too. you. Um, at Tasa Faranga. I think I'm gonna try to make this
2: sounds good. <laughs> forward ever. Thank you All very right. much. Okay. Oh, you're
1: welcome, peace and blessings. Bye. <clears throat> good morning. Um, uh Sarah Lee, uh, founder and director of the Sex Workers Film Festival, having its twentieth anniversary. And Jovelyn Richards, my good friend. Um, wow, javelin uh, you just wear so many hats. Gosh, you're a therapist, <laughs> you're a radio personality, you just had a wonderful nine one one what's your emergency performances at um La Pena Culture Center. This was like a take two, like going, you know, sort of looking at the, the backstories of these interesting characters like Barbecue Betty Becky and some other folks like the prosecutor. Uh <laughs> and now I find that you are also connected to uh, the Sex Workers Film Festival. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, like whoa. Good morning.
4: Yeah. Good morning.
1: <laughs> Good morning. So uh Sarah, um, would you like me to read your bio first? Um and Wait, and out. then Wait. uh and then you can
5: it's carol it's right carol
1: though. carol, oh, carol. sorry carol sorry yeah. <laughs> it's <okay>. yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah carol would you like me to um read your bio first or would you like to talk more talk about sure. the festival first it's, it's no your no read here. my bio that'll give me a chance to okay. wake up 8 30 is early okay. oh right yeah this is early yeah i remember it's like oh sorry i don't i can't give you the later time okay so here we go it's People need the people need to pull out. This is the short version, too, folks. Uh, you need to pull out <laughs> your pins. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Carol Lee has been an artist and sex worker activist since the late 70s, when she coined the term "sex work." And uh, and there is um <clears throat> there is a reference there. If you want to, uh, if you want evidence, uh, Lee Lee's activism spans decades as a coyote member founding member of Act Up and uh SWOP. What's SWOP stand for? A
4: Sex Workers Outreach Project.
1: It's a national organization okay.
4: of sex worker groups.
1: Okay, so you must you must have known my good friend uh John Iverson. He was a, a founder of John Iverson. He was one of the um founders of Act Up East uh I don't know if it's Act Up oh, East no. Bay,
4: but I was. It was ACT UP, and I was first in Citizens for Medical Justice. We became AIDS Action Pledge, and then that mm-hmm. turned into ACT UP. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like it was a very, very early days, sort of the the beginning of ACT UP and kind of pre ACT UP. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because John,
1: he um he he passed um maybe a couple of years ago now. But he uh-huh. goes way back. I'll, yeah, I'll have to um, I'll send you some information about him because I think you might your paths must have crossed. Um, so you're a founding member of ACT UP and SWOP, and a co-founder of Bay Area Sex Worker Advocacy Network. Um, you um, performed internationally as uh, Scarlet Harlot, uh, including several years cheering with the Sex Worker Art Show Tour. In 1999, mm-hmm. you founded the Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. In
3: 1999
1: you founded the San Francisco Sex Worker Film and Arts Festival, um which is having its 20th anniversary uh this mm-hmm. month. Uh, many uh yeah, yay. Uh many of <laughs> Lee's videos can be viewed at scarletharlot.com. Uh you um were a lead organizer of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors Task Force on Prostitution, you have worked closely with Desiree uh, or Desiree Alliance, supporting an intersectional economic, racial, gender justice emphasis within the sex worker rights movement. Uh, you served as consultant for AIM, A I M Capital, A I M for Human Rights. What does does AIM stand for? Something A I M. Oh. I don't remember, and also
4: it was a Dutch group.
1: Okay. Um, Okay, so AIM for Human Rights uh, Trafficking Policy Impact Tool, that was in the Netherlands. Um, She currently sits on the Sex Workers Trafficking Policy Impact Committee of the San Francisco Mayor's Task Force on Trafficking. Since 2003, she has administered the Trafficking Policy Research Project, collecting material on the impact of U.S. Anti-Trafficking Policies Um, Lee received a generous grant From the Creative Work Fund For Sex Worker Media Library In collaboration with The Center for Sex and
4: Culture Where's that at? The Center for Sex and Culture Well you know what? They just closed They were in San Francisco I mean for a good 20 years And it was kind of a center For performance and arts And a library too Mm -hmm. um, For kind of alternative sex cultures And sex work was just part of that Oh, and it closed oh okay well, the um, space closed, but I'm not sure the organization closed
1: okay and for several years uh, okay, and for several years, uh, Carol Lee has been focusing on this library and the collection of work, collateral damage uh, colon sex workers, and the anti trafficking campaign and um, and there is a sexworkermedialibrary.org forward slash collateral damage. Wow. Well, welcome, Carol. Wow.
6: Oh, I forgot <laughs> that it
1: was so
4: long. It does go on. Okay. Well, thank you no, so much for reading story. that. I'm... Oh, oh no okay.
1: <laughs> and, yeah. And, Javelin, um, I have like a just a one liner for you. Um, and besides all the things that I mentioned before, um, Jovlin Richards is an international performance artist, writer, film and theater director, and radio host for Pacifica Radio KPFA ninety one ninety four point one. And uh, Jovlin, you are doing something special. Um, uh, that you've done, I don't know, for multiple years as a part of the uh, Sex Workers Film Festival. Um, and I was wondering if you could maybe. Um, I don't know how you all want to do this, but um, can you tell us a little bit, Joplin, what you do? And then, um, Sarah, you could talk and about sort of the history of of the festival and when it is and what's coming up and all that.
5: Excellent. Yes. And first of all, good morning, Carol.
7: <laughs> good morning. <laughs> yes. And to
5: and, and thank you for having us on. So, I'll go back to, to Carol. Carol and I are, are very close friends. Uh, but And before we became friends and how we met and how I became working uh, with the Sex Workers uh, Film Festival several years ago is through Miss Pat's house.
1: Uh-huh. Which,
5: mm-hmm, which is, I've been performing at the Pena Culture Center and only at the Pena. Since 2011, so we're eight years into this. And at the time, the director of La Pena, Paul Chin, first of all, the play starts, it, it takes place in a brothel, a brothel in the Midwest. And it, it represents to me, when I was creating it, a house that existed before was under a patriarchal sky. Under patriarchal sky, always think about when we hear the word brothel is sex and we think of men and sex which then excludes a lot of other folks but under a patriarchal sky a brothel was a place that that one came anyone came who was trying to find themselves their soul their story their identity they were finding home and they had lost their way internally And so everywhere in the world was a place that one could go. And in the story, I imagine it to be on a hill near water, under trees, under moon, under stars. And so you brought someone or you came alone if you wanted them to heal. And when they went there, they stayed on an average of three days, depending on the intensity of one's emotional, spiritual challenge. And so the people in the brothel, he, she, whoever they were, would then say to the to the person bringing them, if or if they came alone, come back in one day, two or three each night, and if they're standing on the road, they are well. So that was the. the and so Paul thought reach out. It was important to reach out to sex workers, organizations to come to the show to be a part of this experience to have a voice inside of them. and that's when I contacted Carol uh, and she showed up and she <laughs> showed up in the most marvelous way uh, to the show and we became immediate friends and
0: mm-hmm.
5: have spent countless times and hours over lunch dinner, phone in each other's homes and I and at first and I admire I was would I admire her work, and I, one night I was reading a magazine, and I'm not sure what the what the title was, it was somewhere in London based, and it was about education. It was about alternative education. It was about all kind of wonderful stuff, and I saw Carol Lee's name, and <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I just did fish tackles with Carol. Uh, and here they're talking about her in this magazine. It was a professor who was talking about her be coining the phrase coining the phrase sex worker and so I was had this immediate sense of pride around that. My work with the Sex Workers Festival over the last few years is taking my work as a theater performance director and working with everyone who comes around the world to the festival to give them a space to work on their performance, their stories, however they want to tell it, whatever they want to tell. A place that similar to what I do in my res- res- residencies here in the Bay Area at La Pena. We create a space of healing. And at that time, Carol had this incredibly beautiful space in San Francisco that we would do our uh workshops at, and then the performances were held at the Cultural Sex Center, and I'm probably not getting the words right, in San Francisco that Carol mentioned that just closed. And so this year, it happens every two years, and this year I'm back. Uh, This time Carol came to me and Erica came to me and said, instead of just teaching Javelin, we love your work so much. And this is the first Mm -hmm. time this has ever happened to me. Um, oh no! My, my, yeah, 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 yeah. First time this has ever happened to me in my performance career, Wanda. That someone came to me, and this is like an artist's dream, and said to me, "You do what you want to do. This year, if you you don't have to teach, we just want to see you on stage. Oh. You do what you want to do." And to an artist, performance artist out here in the world, no one comes and says that. We always knock on other doors and say, I want to do my work. And then we wait for an answer. And many times that answer is, well, right now we can't fit you in.
4: <laughs>
5: Although I've been very fortunate to be working internationally and in here in the Bay Area. But a lot of times, as we know, historically, artists uh, like sex workers have no place to really go.
4: Mm-hmm. That's for that's sure. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah,
5: and that's
4: wow. it. Wow. wow! Yeah, I love to hear yeah. it too. I love to hear the the story, and it's uh, it's been so amazing working with you. I I just really what what she's brought through the workshops to the sex workers I know last year was something was very exciting there was a woman from China and she yeah. worked at, 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 she worked in even more rural way she was the leader of the sex workers there and she was certainly not used to the kind of expression that you were able to teach but your workshop this time uh, focused on bringing sex workers stories out and I uh, yeah. Maybe could you mention a little bit about that experience of working with her? I, I just, Yes,
7: I, it was really, and, and I must
5: say too, I mean, I'm so in love with working with, with people period and, and uh, that really don't always have access to the stage and not because necessarily the stage is not available, but in themselves to be center stage in a way that's empowering. So working with her, first of all, we needed, we, we found an interpreter because I think she spoke Mandarin. That was a beautiful process to to learn patience in myself where my limitations are. She had been leading, uh, as a leading sex worker rights activist in China, coming here to tell her story. And she told the story of her journey in China under... The regime that was, ha- political regime that was happening, the level of poverty that was happening, that was impacting her family, and how she, in her teens, had to make a choice to feed. She, her story told the fundamental reason in her life, in many people's lives, here in America, here globally, where it comes down to basic hand to mouth. Survival feeding, and we see this all the time Wanda, you and I have worked in countless uh, uh, homeless communities here in the bay in Oakland area uh, feeding uh, folks living under bridges uh folks that are leaving the planet, and I think the first Christmas we worked, we uh been a wife or partners within weeks she had passed away. Uh, from living on the streets. So, so anyway, going back to the woman who was in the festival a couple of years ago, her story told. She told the story of being in in the life, getting into life of as a sex worker, and providing her family. This is mother, father, sisters, grandparents. This is a a, a commitment of love, and her going through the emotional spaces of of the impact on her and coming through that to the other side of then fighting for the right, understanding through her own experience the importance of health insurance, the importance of protection, the importance of having a political voice in the way it's shaped and coming to the place where where a sense of pride in doing the work that one is doing. And not having it relegated to some illegal act based on the profit that people make a profit off of, of sex workers. And so she just broke that down. Again, we're dealing with a, a, a language barrier. And she did it all in this beautiful mask and, and movement and song and language through an interpreter. It was very very informative on many levels to everyone involved, the audience and the musicians. I had jazz musicians and uh, everyone became just fully impacted by all the performers, uh, but particularly this story from a different lens. was very good and I really appreciate that.
4: It meant so much to to the community to sex workers. it seems that you've been able to really bring a lot to the community and, and uh, through your teaching, which is I think people don't really understand how rare your perspective is like I thought it was really amazing that you just would uh she didn't you know, she and it was and you just said, Yes, let's do it, and found ways to make everything happen, yes. And that's, the, I mean, that's a part of the skill that we all have
5: as human beings. What you just said, Carol, is so true. To make things happen, just say yes. So when we, when we <laughs> think about political, social challenges, if we just say yes and make it happen, that's the magic. Make it happen. Just make it happen. Yes. Don't uh-huh. wait for people <laughs> well, I want just to say how it happens, but make it happen. Because a lot of the things we're working with in, in life, that are relegated to the corner whether that's child abuse whether that's sex workers that's whether that's racism whether that's homophobism the way to shift that is just make it happen because if we're waiting on a template it's it we wouldn't be in the space to be having conversations around it of, of the discrimination around the, the said topics if we it wouldn't have happened so make it up make it happen that's Right. That's kind of old school,
1: prehistoric, first folks on earth. <laughs> Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yes. yeah.
1: Well, Carol, you need to tell us about about the festival because we are running out of time, and you haven't had a chance yet to um, you haven't taken the opportunity yet to tell okay, us yes, sort yes. of about the films, about yeah, about the yes. festival this year, its twentieth anniversary. That's really special. <laughs>
4: I know. It's very exciting. Well, we are biennial. So that we do it every other year. So it's mm-hmm, uh, we yeah. it was founded in nineteen ninety nine and yeah, you know, it's just easier for us. I mean it's quite a commitment. And to take you know, to produce a cultural festival for our community it's certainly a big job. And we've had uh, uh, we are doing five days this year. Now I wanna talk about something uh sad and, and hard to talk about in that our curator. And very close friend, Lori McElroy, passed away. She died on August 31st, 2018. And she was one of the core and close family members of Poor Magazine. So I, I, I know that I had spoken to you, Wanda, and you know Poor Magazine. And mm-hmm. um, yes. Lori was not just a curator. She was a close friend with, with all of us. And... Um, I, I, if people go to our website I, I made a little video about her and it just shows just her beautiful spirit and um she i and I I want people to see that and we're going to be having a, our first opening night event. We are honoring Lori and we're having a benefit for Poor magazine. It's in San Francisco at Artist Television Access. Lori actually grew up everywhere in the Bay Area, lived in San Francisco now, but grew up in Oakland to a large extent. Um, so we are having the, that event on the 22nd at our Television Access, and that also has an array of movies called Power Reset, and it's about the way that sex workers as ambassadors of taboo are uh, changing power relations and how we work with power relations within – Within sex work and and within our relationships. So, I think people would be very interested in that. Um, and that's on the 22nd. Now, I, I do want to tell people we are having a seminar in Trends in Sex Worker Cinema. And the host of uh, one of the featured guests, the featured host is Professor Mireille uh, Young Brown. And she has a book, A Taste for Brown Sugar Black Women in Pornography. And um, she just does remarkable work, and she's a very exciting speaker, and we're just very happy to be working with her. Um, then the other presenters, uh, Aquino's from Black Sex Workers Collective, and um, then P.J. Starr, who uh, has a movie, No Human Involved, about a woman who was murdered at the hands of the, California, of the Arizona State Prison. She only had a prostitution charge, and they left her outside in a cage to die. And uh we uh she's launching a DVD about that movie. But the movies that night are shorts. So we we have an assortment of other movies. Um but we really want people to come to this party and it'll be real fun to hang out and to talk to us and we'll look at movies. We'll we'll have snacks. There'll be snacks, definite snacks, and people serving snacks. So and then in the East Bay on the um oh uh, so we're going to be talking about on the 19th we're having a, a a seminar about issues in the festival and people need to go to the website sexworkerfest dot com and see the whole array of events. Um, we have Thursday is benefit for Bay Area workers support and as you all know that under the new FOSTA-SESTA laws, uh, sex workers are not allowed to advertise and many of us are now relegated to work in a public way, which means a lot of arrests and uh, police abuse even. And um, it's a, a dire situation for many sex workers. And as you know, we're supporting our families and ourselves. And, um, and it's quite serious. So uh, there's an emergency fund that's a benefit for. And Friday the 24th, you have to join us at, at Oakland Soul. I That's a fantastic space in East Oakland on 23rd Avenue. Black mother and jazz. And I have a little tag on it that says, come to me, sangria red. So definitely (laughs) make that one. (laughs) That one is at um, (laughs) uh, 6.30 at Oakland Soul. And we're all going to be there. It's going to be a lot of storage Food, music, it's going to be a fantastic environment to be in and explore just the wonderful music and the company, and I know you'll have a great time at that. So definitely see us there at Oakland. And then on a Saturday, all day and night, you can camp out and you can watch movies (laughs) at the lobby. And then the last day, and this is the last is a sex worker-only event, and it's a healing spa day for sex workers where – Different sex workers and other people volunteer to do massage and and um, healing pra- uh, practices and and it is food and talk and it's really beautiful and that's also in the East Bay. So they have to go to sexworkerfest.com, and we make sure that no one would be turned away. We we absolutely make sure if any need for scholarship tickets. If you want scholarship, guest passes, we love to support you with that. So you do need to go to the website and all and just email us. Uh you'll see the contacts up there. And it's that's very important to us. That it our festival's not really about making money at all from the festival, but more offering things to the community and, and being able to support artists. So um Did I say a lot? If you're buying tickets, you can buy festival passes. You'll see on the website at loveandcondoms.eventbrite.com. Or if you're going to Black Mother and Jazz, blackmotherandjazz.eventbrite.com. And loveandcondoms.eventbrite.com. Yes. Got it. And for
5: those that are listening too, I'm going to, I'm gonna actually have this have another interview on Monday at KPFA at one o'clock on Women's Magazine. So that's 94.1, and Erica and Sugar will be joining me on the air. And Carol, maybe you can join in by phone on Monday, uh, so that we can give because this is that'll be an hour live talking, uh, calling shows for folks who are listening now. Just tune in Monday at one o'clock at 94.1 KPFA.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> okay, super. Um is there anything special happening um this year insofar as like uh first time directors, um or anything like that?
4: Um, Sarah. Well and, like, Carol. Mm-hmm. I think that um for I mean we have many attendees, director attendees at the show. Uh, first time mm-hmm. Well, you know, we do have a cyber screening, too. And if Mm. if you go to the website and look for the cyber screening, you can actually watch the movies online. That will be launched on May 18th. That's very exciting. And we Mm. have a really great diversity of directors. And um, what do we have for the cyber screening? We're showing The Finest Romeo. So Then we have Chemo Darkroom. That's kind of a bleak, interesting... Uh, work um, how this this is how new legislation puts sex workers in danger by Ashley the mm-hmm. he uh, made a movie about how sex worker how foster sister is affecting black women in the United States so that's can't be missed already the link is online if you go to the cyber screening it so you can see that decolonizing mm-hmm. Marissa Uh, One of our makers' mother was a mail-order bride, and she does a a kind of experimental but accessible art piece, an art video about Mm -hmm. that. So that's very important. Um, Then um, I have a favorite, is sex work study. University students interview all the fellow students about sex work, and everybody's so surprisingly supportive about our rights. So that was nice. Then My Name is Janu- Was January is about a transgender woman who was murdered, and that was in Canada. And this is about her friends revealing her and her special myths. And um, this is a, a huge issue among sex workers. And, um, and, again, you'll be able to actually see these movies uh, through the cyber screening and go to the website and check it out. And, oh, You Can't Miss Love, Work, and Polyphobia by my friend Mariko Passion. And that movie is about, as a sex worker, dealing with people who are polyamorous. So as a sex worker, sometimes you're kind of conflicted because you are, your work might make you poly involved, but If your partner is polyamorous, then you're dealing just maybe as anyone else would with that issue. So it's fascinating, and she does a lot of interviews, and so that's part of that lineup. So that's good to tell the general public. They don't even have to get up to go to the show, but come to the Rocky. Come to the party, and come to the Mm -hmm. Black Mother and Jazz.
5: Black
4: Mother and Jazz. Wow. That sounds really awesome.
5: Yep, May 24th. Is it 24th, Carol? I don't know. May don't 24th, know that. Friday. Yep, at the Oakland SOL at 1236 23rd Avenue at 630. And I will be there. <laughs>
0: it's a surprise. Yeah. The,
5: the, the wonderful surprise mm-hmm. is going to happen inside that space. It's a space of erotica, black mother jazz.
1: Right. Yeah. So the uh Sex Worker San Francisco Bay Area Sex Worker Film and Arts Festival, you can visit sexworkerfest.com. 20th anniversary um since 1999. The phone number is 415-857-5425 and it begins on Wednesday, May 22nd, uh, continues on Thursday, May 23rd, Friday, May 24th is the Black Mother and Jazz. Come to me, Sangria Red, also known as Javelin Richards. Uh, Saturday, May 25th, Sex Worker Movie Marathon, where you can camp out, bring your sleeping bag. Uh, and then Sunday, May 26th, Magical Healing Spa Day, Whores Bath, <laughs> just for sex workers. Visit whoresbath.org for reservations and information. And then there is a uh, after the festival, don't miss Saint James Infirmary. In, infirmary is it? Infirmary, In, Infirmary, twentieth uh, yeah. anniversary gala, hookers masquerade ball, Sunday, June second. So the party continues. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you both so much for joining us to talk about this um wonderful um film festival. I remember it really fondly and I was so happy uh oh. to get the information. Um yeah, yeah, I remember I was mentioning mm-hmm. to you, um, uh, Carol about um uh the um uh, uh, Gloria Lockett and um
0: and oh, yeah.
1: uh, yeah, Calpep AIDS research and um and having the and starting the the um uh, the um mm-hmm, um the volunteer uh center for Alameda County's um AIDS um AIDS volunteer clearinghouse and, and Calpep AIDS Research was one of our organizations that we recruited volunteers for. And so I would go to their trainings and to all of their, their different workshops just so I could be familiar with the organization, and they were just doing so much wonderful work, and they still do wonderful work. So one of the organizations that's still around, um, you know, what, 20, 30 years now. They've been around for a while. And just like um, AIDS Project of the East Bay and some others that are still, you know, doing, doing this important work, because unfortunately um, HIV and AIDS is not a thing of the past for certain communities like older black women and um and some young people so uh yeah so anyway it's just really really wonderful that this film festival exists and that you are keeping it moving and keeping it going and and javelin you know your work around helping people sort of uh you know sort of become more familiar with them their intimate selves and to be Mm -hmm. proud and 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 uh, and not ashamed of their sexuality is something I really admire about your work, you know, which, oh. you know, you sort of talk mm-hmm. about that a lot in Ms. Pat's uh, iterations and her various episodes, which I've, you know, yes. had the wonderful pleasure of being able mm-hmm. to attend and hear those stories and just always love those stories. So, yeah, definitely want to make sure that um, I am in the house on um, on the Black Mother and Jazz yeah. <laughs> that looks like oh, that's yeah. gonna be pretty awesome. Yeah, next ah. Friday, the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Ooh, at Oakland Fold, twelve thirty six, twenty third Avenue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you've got you got so got for everybody.
4: Yes,
1: absolutely. Thank, and you. thank you so much. For, thank you
4: for having mm. us on
5: this morning.
4: That was wonderful. Oh, thank you welcome. so much.
1: All your support. Hi. Oh, you're quite welcome. Okay. You take good care. Yeah, See you at the movies. All right. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. Bye. 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 So we were supposed to be talking to a couple of the members of the cast, for Sister Act, but I think there might be a little confusion. So I'm trying to figure out what am I going to play in the meantime uh, from the archives. um, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of things I could play. Um, <laughs> uh, thinking about hmm, what would sort of fit uh, around what we're talking about now. <laughs> well, I'm gonna play. Um, the creator has a master plan right at the moment, and uh, while well, I figure it out. Ha 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 ha. was um I think that was Bryant Bowling, um, if I'm not mistaken. I need to check that. Um, singing uh Creator has a master plan. Um I think. <laughs> I have a interview with Renee Marie going back eight years. Yeah, a long time, right? And uh I don't have enough time to play the whole thing, but she is so phenomenal. I think I might just play a little bit of that or I could play a couple of her older pieces, but I think I'm going to play a little bit of Renee Marie's. Because um, this was around the time when um, her her CD with "Lift Every Voice" uh, or "The Star-Spangled Lift Every Voice" sung to the melody of "Star-Spangled Banner" was uh, out on her latest. And so, um, so anyway, let's just listen to her this little conversation and. Um, yeah, we're not going to be able to finish it. But if you want to go back in the archives, I've, I played it, um, or I interviewed her June 29, 2011. Well, I just want to tell you, I'm so excited about your coming to town
4: in a couple know. of days. I I am too. <laughs> yeah,
1: with this fabulous new CD. You look so beautiful on the front. Who took your picture? Well, so Oh,
6: I tell you. Her her name is Mary Lynn Gillespie. Mm. And actually she's a former jazz vocalist. Really? Um yeah, she sang with this group oh what is the name of that group? I'm gonna die if I don't remember that. Let me look it up now while we're still talking. Okay, sure. But anyway, she's yeah. she's a she she's a jazz vocalist with this, um it was a vocal trio mm-hmm. and um and now she's a photographer, amazing photographer and I love I hate taking photographs, but I loved it with Mary Lynn because there's nothing like having a female photographer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. because she sees things from a woman's perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it was really helpful, so I just loved working with her. And
1: that dress is stunning, and your hair is so cute. Ooh, oh, thank you, mm-hmm.
6: thank so you. It's like, ooh,
1: okay, we won't even open the CD. We'll just have it on our counter <laughs> as a, as art. <laughs> oh me
6: Yeah, Yeah. she really did a great job Mm -hmm. everybody who saw that photograph just said
1: wow yeah it's really stunning yeah Mm -hmm. she worked for magic for sure definitely definitely um i mean you're you're a great subject i mean you're already magical (laughs) well thank you thank you so tell me about this new cd uh, on motima your your new label uh voice of my beautiful country um yeah, and particularly, let's start with, you know, your your arrangements of so many songs that we think we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, for instance, when I was listening, you know, Just My Imagination, I remember singing that when I was a kid. Yeah, that's it's like, right. It's like, whoa, I love that song. And then mm-hmm. White Rabbit is so lovely. Oh, my. Yeah. And drifts away. Uh, That's my favorite. Oh my goodness! See, the,
6: see, so you see, you know, somebody, somebody my age, like the, those songs. Basically, I, I think those songs kind of follow the arc of my of my life. Mm. For instance, I grew up as a very young child listening to John Henry, as an example. Oh, okay. Oh, Shenandoah.
0: Uh-huh. And
6: then, as I got a little older, um. That's when I started listening to, um, to you know, as a teenager, White Rabbit mm-hmm. and Motown. Uh, Motown, the um, what is it called? Uh, just my imagination. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. And then I heard Roberta Flack sing Angelitos Negros."
1: Oh. And then
6: okay. I learned "Imagination." Black angels. That is so
1: pretty. Oh, yeah, I was reading, you know, what you said about that particular one. You know, connecting, you know, um, you know, African uh American heritage to uh Latino heritage and we're already connected anyway. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at sort of the work of um I'm trying to think of the uh uh historian. Um oh man, he did a lot of work around the black presence in Mexico. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? I don't. Oh, no. I'll, I'll I'll I have to look it up. I don't know why I'm drawing a okay. blank. Yeah, yeah, but we have this organization here called um, it's called Baji, a Black Alliance for Just Immigration, and and the whole idea is is creating um, alliances between people of the diaspora um, because you know it's the same story. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, and, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So anyway when I was reading this, I was like, Oh, she will love Baji <laughs> mm-hmm. That's
6: interesting because I mean the whole idea to put Ananitos Negros on the C D mm-hmm. stemmed from the the latest uh backlash against Hispanics mm-hmm. in this country by um by certain Americans who want to close borders and you know, it's just um more racist expressions coming up but this time it's against Hispanics
0: mm-hmm.
6: and I just don't I just you just see it as chapter 157 <laughs> you know in the chapter of, um, of of racial intolerance and so it's it just you know the 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 um, translation of those lyrics of Angelitos Negros basically is painters when you paint the the virgin you paint her white but what about the angels? Why do you paint only white angels? Aren't the black angels beautiful too? Mm-hmm. Paint the beautiful black angels. And um, I just think that's a lovely thought. It's taken from a poem of a well-known poet, um, Hispanic poet. I wish I could remember his name. I'm sorry, I don't. Mm-hmm but uh, it's just a beautiful thought and a beautiful sentiment and i think it's applicable to what's going on in our country now.
1: Mhm. Right. Yeah, the uh, the scholar's name is Ivan Van Sertima and he wrote oh, they okay. came before columbus. That's one of his more oh. uh well-known books and he looks at the um uh the olmec uh pre- you know the those those uh sculptured pieces as well as the pyramids in mexico uh mm-hmm. as um uh, evidence of of the presence of african people in in mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, nice, nice. So tell me about um i i i missed the controversy completely around uh lift every voice uh you know set to um the music of the star spangled banner. Um mm-hmm. You do that. I mean, you're just so good. Where do you where do you get these great ideas? <laughs> Girl, I'm crazy. And I have and
6: I have no fear. I mean, I shouldn't say that I I do have fear But I use it as a stepping stone I I allow the energy That's contained in the fear To push me forward Rather than to hold me back And when I feel that fear I know it's exactly what I should do Mm -hmm. The the very thing that I feel with fear Of oh my god I can't believe I'm thinking about doing this (laughs) then I know but that's, Renee, that's the direction you need to go. And so it, it, it all started with um, an interview that I did in Russia. I was on tour there, and I was at a television station there, and the the Russian interviewer asked me a question. I can't even tell you what the question was, but she said, so as an American, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I almost interrupted her to say, oh, excuse me, you made a mistake. I'm not American. It was like she had called me Argentinian or mm. Armenian, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And but I, I caught myself and I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I almost corrected this woman. And so, heading back home across the Atlantic, I was thinking about what had happened in my life that I would feel as though to be called an american was a mistake that somebody had made a mistake and i started thinking about the first 10 the first 10 years of my life when i grew up under jim crow laws and i think wanda that that had something to do with it hmm. because when you're a child or even an adult but especially a child there's no one Help you process what's going on with you. You get these um, these looks from older African Americans, and they can be older siblings, or you know, aunts, cousins, or your own parents that let you know: don't do that, you can't go in there, don't say that in front of these people, don't act this way, be quiet. There's you get pick up on a sense of. There's a problem here, and that you have to weigh everything you do and say. But there's nobody, when you get home, you know, there's no way to process it. Nobody says "Now, Did you understand why I said that? It's just that you pick up on it and you realize, I can't walk through this door. I have to sit here and not there. Uh, These white kids are on this bus and they go to that school, and we go on this bus to the other school. You don't really process it, so you just kind of swallow it until one day, you become an adult and you go, you look around and think, something's wrong. Something is, something has affected me. So I allowed myself to go through that process musically and to take the patriotic songs that I grew up singing as a child, America the Beautiful and My Country Tis of Thee and The Star Spangled Banner, and Lift Every Voice and Sing. Because, you know, after we sang all those patriotic tunes, we would always end every gathering during Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. We'd end every gathering singing Lift Every Voice and Sing because we knew that song definitely applies to our particular struggle and because it was written by two African Americans. Mm
0: -hmm. So
6: I wanted to take those songs and, and rework them. I wanted to retain the lyrics but take away the melody and replace it with, a jazz-infused melody, a blues-infused melody, a gospel-infused melody to reflect the America I grew up in
3: mm-hmm.
6: as a child.
3: Hmm.
6: And nice. so that comprises the suite. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a journey. It's a musical journey of this, of this country.
0: Mm-hmm. And
6: it's just one American's perspective, mine. That's it. I'm not trying to get other people to agree with me, no more so than I have with any other song that I've arranged or composed. It's
0: just a
1: viewpoint. Why are
0: you
6: laughing?
1: Why are you laughing, girl? (laughs) Well, you know, the viewpoint, (laughs) um, you mentioned in an interview that I read um, (laughs) um, that, you know, the viewpoint, you know, you think when when you're – at a concert that everyone in the audience is with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. Right, right, yeah, mm-hmm. not necessarily, um, you know, everyone's not necessarily, you know, uh, coming from the same same perspective. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you can't be messing with my, you know, my anthem. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, then you, and then you mentioned how since I think 2008, whenever – the star spangled banner is sung you sing uh the negro national anthem that's uh in right. you know um to yourself and I, uh I sing it I, right I'm, I'm not you know trying to sing over top of anybody mm-hmm.
6: but that's just the way I want to approach the love for my country I want to I want to do it that way mhm and it's never been a campaign to get anybody to view it a certain way. I mean, this is art we're talking about. I, I'm not... I don't think I'm taking a political stance. I certainly wasn't thinking about it politically. I was cer- just trying to process what i had been through through a musical expression. Mm-hmm. And that's what every song I arrange and compose is all about. But what happened was, people who heard it, and, and, I, and this is what happens with art, people who are affected by it, whether it's positive, negative, or otherwise, they are going to um, um, attach their interpretation of it
3: mm-hmm. and
6: go from there. The unfortunate thing was that their interpretation, they, they considered their interpretation to be my interpretation. So that's where things got a little muddy. Mm-hmm. because there was one particular person who was in, in Denver who was on the city council, quite vocal
0: oh.
6: about his interpretation, and um, that's what seemed to grab the attention of the media. And then the headlines just went crazy. It just went crazy. It was ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. They even
6: asked Obama.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> Obama's wow. coming
6: into Colorado <laughs> campaigning. Two days after I sang the song, he's in Colorado, and one of the first questions they asked him was, what do you think about this black woman who blah, 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 blah? Hmm. You know, and I was just thinking, this is nuts.
3: Hmm.
6: And there were people who were emailing me and saying that I was seriously jeopardizing Obama's presidency. Wow. And I said, like, come on now, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how can a person's presidency be jeopardized by a song? Do you
1: know what? Music art is really powerful. It's it's yeah. very powerful, and it's you know powerful. one one can't overlook the power of of you know a a rightly placed lyric, right? <laughs>
6: this is true, and mm-hmm. and music art art in general is mm-hmm. powerful. hmm You're you're right about that, but I I just felt that his his campaign was way too strong for this song to be affected. And uh-huh. I was
1: right. Well, you probably you probably made it even stronger.
6: I don't know about that.
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got over 1,600 emails about that, you know. Wow.
1: 1,600 emails. My goodness. Oh,
6: at least 1,600. And I saved every single one of them. Oh, wow. Okay. I still
1: have them. Sounds like a book. I, <laughs> yes, it does, my dear. It does indeed. hmm. Yeah. And then you started this um uh this contest that just ended, Voice of my beautiful mm-hmm. country and so who who's your winner? And they're gonna actually um get to see you in concert in Washington D C on July sixth. Not 6th. only
6: that, yeah, on July sixth. That's right. And not only that, hmm. well first of all the the grand prize winner is Maggie Council. Uh-huh. And she is um she works for the city down in um In Florida, in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. But she's also a a Mm singer-songwriter. And she wrote this song called Bingo Bus on the Trail of Tears, which is Mm
4: -hmm. talking
6: about what's going on on the Cherokee Reservation.
1: Nice.
6: um, And how everything has been so commercialized there on the Cherokee Reservation. It's a great tune. And so when she comes to D.C., She's bringing her guitar and she's going to sing that song. I'm so excited about that.
0: Oh, nice! Nice.
6: Yeah, she's going to actually sing it and play it with my band, and I'm just going to sit in the audience and listen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of her. Mm -hmm. She did a great job.
1: Yeah, and you have you have another. You had two runners-up. So you have another winner.
6: Uh, The two runners-up were Steve Ingemanson. Okay. He painted a picture uh, called uh, "Voice of the." Oh, what is it? Ooh, I should have pulled that up, child. Why are you talking to me?
0: <laughs> um,
6: let me see. Voice of the Forgotten.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a
6: photo. It's a, a image of a homeless woman sitting on the side of, on the sidewalk, and women in the background dressed very fashionably, mm. walking right past her and ignoring her. Ah.
1: Well, that was Renee Marie in an interview recorded eight years ago, uh, June twenty ninth, two thousand eleven. So you can continue listening to that wonderful conversation in the archives. Well right now, I think we're joined in the studio. Um is this you, um, C. Kelly right? Uh big or is this Kelly. Lobby?
3: Oh no. <laughs> okay, lobby. I
1: was just trying to figure out what is that area code? Oh, super. Nambi E. Kelly, the playwright whose work, Jazz, is in the second iteration, world premiere at the Marin Theater Company through Malcolm X's birthday on Sunday, so people can go tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. I think there are like two performances Saturday and two performances on Sunday. Wow, you are so good at adapting these classics and making them like speak in different kind of ways for our audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's been a minute since I've actually seen you. You are so busy writing and acting and wow.
6: Mm-hmm. Trying to make a living, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever seen you on stage as an actress or an actor. Um, do you ever perform here? In the Bay Area, because I know your work, you know, is is produced yeah, here.
4: Yeah, I haven't been on stage
7: in the Bay.
1: Okay, okay. I didn't show, think I'd miss you, but I did, was just checking.
7: Yeah, the mm. last show I did uh, was in the was in November last year. I did Dominique Morisot's Pipeline, and uh oh. that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it in Pittsburgh at City Theater, directed by Reg Douglas. We had a really, really good time.
1: Hmm. Were you? Who were you in Pipeline? I was the lead. I was. You were the mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa, really? Cause I I didn't um, I didn't get a chance to see that live. I watched it um in Broadway play something or another. Somebody um, you know they 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 videoed it, and then you could oh, watch yeah, it. PBS. um i, I, began... yes, I
0: the
1: Oh, I had to actually pay for it, but maybe it was on PBS, too. <laughs> yeah, I became a member of something, yeah, because I was in um Indianapolis, and I told uh-huh. folks about it because I was at a conference on um, a higher education in prison, and, uh-huh. and and the folks, they organized a party to go to the play and didn't even invite me, and I'm like, what? And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, and it was sold out, so I'm like, oh, man, because I knew the play would... Resonate with folks because of the topic.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. wow, that was
1: such a marvelous work. Oh man, I bet you were phenomenal in it. Uh, I did my best. I'll yeah.
7: just say that it's a, it's a very tough Yeah, it's very, uh, very
5: it certainly
1: play. certainly is. It is. It really it really is. Um Wow, that mother she really holds a lot. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So, um your your bio is. Really, really um, long. <laughs> but uh, and so I highlighted, I highlighted parts of it.
2: And and if I
1: don't, um, if I don't read parts that you wanted highlighted, you could um, let me know. Um, and you could say, oh, you know, like what what did I leave out that you want to share? So um, Nambi E Kelly has performed on regional stages across the country, internationally, including many shows at the Goodman Theater. Steppenwolf Theater and has been seen on several television shows including Elementary, Person of Interest Madam Secretary Chicago PD and um, guest starred on NBC's Chicago Justice Nambi, there's some kind of uh, static noise happening um, I don't know what it is
7: um, probably because I'm driving
1: oh you're moving oh, okay Okay, no problem. Um, we'll just have to overlook the noise. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, other shows have been Person Interest, Madam Secretary, Chicago PD, and Get Start on. Could you mute me while I'm reading this? Mute yourself while I'm reading this. Yeah, I'm, okay. Yeah, I want want our audience to be able to hear this more clearly. And you guest starred on NBC's Chicago Justice. Most recently, uh, Nambi appeared in MacArthur Genius Award recipient Dominique. um, Oh, yeah, we spoke about that. Um, And I don't know how to pronounce her name. Darn. Um, Nambi, how do you say it?
7: Dominique's last
1: name? Marisol, thank you. Pipeline at the City Theater. Jeff Sweets, critically acclaimed off-Broadway two handler, Kunstler fifty ninth East fifty nine and two trains running Goodman Theater. Uh Nambi made recently made her professional day directorial debut at Theatre Works Colorado Springs. I didn't even know there was a Theater Works Colorado. Uh the first African American female to helm a production of their over forty year history. Isn't that amazing? Congratulations. Um, an accomplished playwright, Nambi is currently serving in residence at New Victory Theater and the Dramatists Guild Foundation in New York City. She has penned plays for Steppenwolf and Goodman Theater in Chicago, Lincoln Center, Director's Fest in New York, and internationally. Kelly recently served as playwright and resident at the National Black Theater in New York. Um, she has a lot of awards. They include the Prince Prize Writers' Alliance Grant Dramatists Guild Foundation, stage raw los angeles best adaptation for native son the francesca primus award the finalist for that and the kevin spacey foundation award another finalist um in this uh i want you to talk to us about this adaptation of tony morrison's jazz um because you're so good at at, at um, adaptation um i mean i people who experience your native son and that rat character will never be the same, similarly um people who experience um you know the bird and um and this mythical you know other figure um that's um a part something that you create it's just just phenomenal the way you take jazz and distill it for us so that you know it's a migration story. It's a love story, it's a story of trauma, it's a story of father loss uh It's a story of crazy mothers and mother loss. I mean there's just so much happening, and then that you know people who stay and the people that leave and and potions that kill life and there's just like so much going on and 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 you make it work <laughs> with this jazz i mean you know, sort of incorporating you know Marcus Shelby's wonderful score and the dance. And then the scenic design, you know, with the cotton looking like flowers and the burial, which sort of you know sort of like a uh August Wilson like starting with the funeral and then working your way backwards right <laughs> and then the play is like haunted by you know by this young girl who was killed, and then we get that story. It's just amazing how you do this, so yeah, tell us about why jazz and just sort of your your process.
7: Well, I'm fascinated listening to uh, everything you got out of it.
0: <laughs> oh, great. I got Thank more, you.
1: but that's a little short version just from memory.
7: <laughs>
0: wow,
1: wow, that's really, really amazing. Like
7: all of it is Tony, you know. All of that is mm-hmm. Tony. I mean, she doesn't have a parrot char- character in the play and the book, I mean, but. Um, but there is a parrot that's mentioned and so I just decided to take that and make it a character But I would say my process has been um, it was a project that came to me uh, based on Native Son because Mm -hmm. um, the publisher, Tony's publisher for Bluest Eyes for the play uh, they really, uh, they pitched me to her and she said yes so Mm -hmm. uh, that was how she came to me and then, um, and so they chose the book. Uh, her, she chose the book. Uh, the publisher chose the book. And so it came to me, oh. and then I was able to get a producer. I was able to get a commission, so that I could do it. So the very first production of it, Baltimore, and um, and literally like we put that show up about ten months, really after I started working on it. Like it, it was no time at all, and so. As you know, Tony is very dense, and she's got a lot to mm-hmm. say, and she's very layered. And I felt like that production uh, was, you know, it was a it was a draft, but it wasn't finished. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And
7: certainly, I think the production that's up now, um, I, I need another production so I can fully realize. I think, you know, now I have I have a lot in there, so it's like, what do I take away, you know, to to mm-hmm. streamline more. Information? because the first production didn't have enough information this one has a whole lot and so I think mm-hmm. like the third time is the charm that I will find the balance of how much uh, to uh, to put in the draft but but I was um, very very pleased with uh, working with my cast and my director uh, away tempo and to have C. Kelly Wright in a, in a show is is always a dream and uh, and um, and uh, it's just um, a really fabulous fabulous cast, and so I went back to see the show this weekend because I wasn't able to stay for opening. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was, and so I'm gonna make some more more changes <laughs> based on <you> know, the last <laughs> production I saw, because um, it's a process, you know. I'm a dis, I consider myself a discovery based artist. So I don't often, I, I will start with a general idea of something and then I'll get more specific as I, as I go. And I think certainly with adaptation, the thing that is important to me is to sort of honor the original source. And I know people are like, well, you have to take it. You have to explode it on your head and da, 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 da. It's like, well, yeah, you could do that. And I think I, I, it ends up being that anyway, but particularly because um, our black writers are so prolific Like, for me, I'm in conversation with Mm -hmm. them, you know, and if anything, it's a passing of the baton as opposed to let me. Like, there's nothing I can improve on with Richard Wright or Toni Morrison. Like, that's kind of a ridiculous notion. But I can actually be, Mm -hmm. absolutely be in conversation with them as ancestor slash um, grandmother, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. elder, ancestor and elder, because they have way more to teach me you know that I could ever possibly learn and so that's always sort of my uh it's always you know in honor of as just as, as a philosophy of how I approach that kind of work I'm honoring them
0: mm.
7: by being the generation behind them that is still fully engaged in their ideas and then filtering it through my own prism um To speak to a 21st century Nambi in a 21st century audience, therefore, you know.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, I remember I remember jazz, and um, it took me a lot. I mean, people think, oh, I'll start with this book. Like, looks are deceptive because you think, oh, it's thinner. So it must be easy, like no. <laughs> no, Toni Morrison. Nothing is easy, and so I think it took me like I don't know, at least three or four tries if I could finally get through. It was like I like, what is this about? I think jazz as a metaphor is certainly what's going on with these characters dancing around each other, um, like, <laughs> and um, and and as I sat in the theater when it was over, it's like okay, I knew what happened. But I'm like, dang, I felt so heavy. I was so happy that I hung out in the in the uh, waiting room. Not waiting room, oh waiting was so funny, like I was in a hospital, right. I stood out uh, you know, in the lobby <laughs> for so long to be able to talk to different um actors because I really needed some help unpacking it and the uh the talk back I got pulled from it 'cause that's that was really helpful just listening to other members of the audience. And the facilitators artistic facilitators sort of help us um uh, because un- there's no intermission you just get all this stuff just gets dropped on you <laughs> and um yeah it's um it's a lot it's a it's a whole lot so so tell me about you know sort of the the whole idea of of having a original musical score and and the idea of jazz as also a character sort of moving through the other character is almost like it's like a through line but it's also it's like a lifeline. Something that they grab onto even though there's there's like some spiritual resistance. They need something to keep them from sinking. Amy um
7: I think that um uh, the um the musical score for um uh, Marcus, the Marcus's work, Marcus Shelby's work, was really sort of the mm-hmm. brainchild of Jason Menendakis who is the artistic director at um, Marin. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you off of this particular speaker. See if I can hear you. You can hear me better. Hold on.
1: Oh, okay. Good morning. Um, and C. Kelly Wright has joined us. Good morning, C. Kelly. How are you? I'm excellent. Hi, C. Kelly.
7: Oh, well. Nabi. Hi, Nambi Hi, Nambi Hello, my
0: dear.
1: My Mwah, mwah, mwah. black girl
8: magic.
1: Mm hmm. <laughs> Real black yeah. girl magic. Um, Nami, can I interrupt you for a second to introduce C. Uh, Kelly? Absolutely. CK. Okay. Yeah. Um, C. Kelly Wright is one of my favorite actors. Oh my God. And in this play, <laughs> Jazz. Um, is Nami uh Kelly's jazz is um she plays Violet in Country Violet. Uh and in the program she uh writes that she is honored to return to Marin Theater Company where she first appeared in the award winning as thousands Cheer. That was too long ago. Two thousand. Dang, really? Yes. Oh no yes. and more recently uh, in uh Nami E. Kelly's Native Son. Yeah, you were phenomenal in that while wow, you were the mother of those those children that were whew, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, the two boys and the girl. Um, actress, singer, dancer writes work on off Broadway and theater theatrical stages across the country have garnered her much acclaim, including Langston in Harlem, Urban Stages New York City, The Scottsboro Boys West Coast Tour. I saw you in that. Black Pearl Sings, mm-hmm. Interact Philadelphia, Carolina Change, and Radio Golf Theater Works, California. I saw you in that. Um, yes, fan. Yes, I am a fan. Uh, yes. Greatest love <laughs> might be found developing new works. Uh, <laughs> she has given voice to playwrights uh, R.N. Squire, Calvin A. Ramsey, David Lee Colston, Douglas Lyons, Larry Powell, Marcus Garley, yeah, Marcus Garley, he's one of ours, yeah, um, Oakland. Oakland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, what is that black odyssey <laughs> yeah. um uh, Johnson, uh, Nina Mercer, uh Falata. how do you pronounce Falada's last
8: name? Mhm, try it, go ahead, almost uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, what language is that? What's her That's ancestry? 'Cause
8: that uh mm. Well she is um no she has African ancestry and I think it's I I think it's uh Nigerian, but I'm not certain of that.
1: Yeah, that that is some name there. Um and many more. Yeah. Uh, musically, uh <laughs> C. Kelly Wright has developed with multiple award winning writing teams. Um Violet Country vibe is the blessed realization of the wildest dreams coming true. Whoa. Wow. That's beautiful. Um so um yeah, Nambi I interrupted you. <laughs>
7: oh, I was just saying that uh that uh, Marcus Shelby's contribution to the production and was really the brainchild of, of Jason Menadakis, the the artistic director mm-hmm. and he wanted to Uh, he asked me based on the first production he said what do you need Um, Hmm. what do you need to finish the play and I said I needed well I needed money so he made sure he got me some more money but also I said I needed I wanted to work with a musician um, to really sort of sort of fill out to play musically to see you know what the possibilities were in terms of music, and so we collaborated with Marcus probably over the course of a year. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know you know we did a couple of workshops and then meetings with him. Really we did we did two meetings a month with him really for about six or seven months. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, trying to you know talking through the ideas of the play and the themes of the characters and. And musically, what was possible, and so, and then we got to rehearsal, and um, we picked bits and pieces based on um, all of those conversations, and um, added what we could, and um, and so yeah, so that's that's how all of that sort of came to to fruition, um, and in terms of jazz itself, um, it's interesting because the play takes place in nineteen twenty six. So jazz in nineteen twenty six is a very different musical animal than it than, than the way we sort of think about jazz and and certainly people who are jazz connoisseurs understand the evolution of jazz, what it was in that time period to how we think of it now. Of it now. And um and it's 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 I always hope that it's not disappointing that the show doesn't have more modern interpretations of jazz in it. Uh, because it's just not the time period. And one of the things that um, that I'm looking forward to growing even further in future productions is, is the Parrot, because the Parrot um, ideally will embody all of that, uh, jazz mm. from various eras and hip-hop and spoken word. And, and so that's something that we're going to build into a, another, a future production, but we have the bare bones of mm. it now. Um, and certainly mm-hmm. Paige, what's Paige's last name? Maze. Boy, yeah, yes. she's mm-hmm. um she's amazing. That girl can do anything. She's so beautiful. She's so gifted, yeah. and so just looking forward to moving forward with that notion, like of really developing her character mm-hmm. um, to to mm-hmm. embody music with time, which is how she succeeds. Um, mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. we'll get there. Is, um, someone
1: someone's um just joined us. Oh darn, I thought maybe it might have been Paige. Is Paige going to join us? Uh, C Kelly. I
8: thought she was and now I'm checking to
1: see if that's the case. Okay. As we speak. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, she was amazing as um the parrot and as um golden gray. And then her mm-hmm. singing and those costumes are so awesome, aren't they? Oh my God. Fabulous. Karen Perry, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Karen, Karen. Karen Perry is Karen Perry. Yeah. The bomb. Yeah. Right. So, so C Kelly, um uh, tell us about about your uh Violet, country Violet and um and so what was the attraction to to her and and um yeah. Tell us about her, her story cuz I don't know. It just seems like she is such a femme fatale, like such a tragic character. Yeah,
8: and such a a large and small character all at the same time. It's kind of amazing. I think mm-hmm. there there was no reason not to want to uh be her. Um, I mean, <laughs> as roles go, I mean, there's there is there it's just an amazing, amazing uh opportunity I mean you saw the play Wanda, so you know that mm-hmm. uh as 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 this role in in this prism um exploration of jazz i'm i'm young i'm old i'm happy i'm sad i'm terrified i'm uh i am hopeful i all things in less in less than two hours time. <laughs> An hour thirty four minutes and twenty five seconds I, was last night's show. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it it and it starts like I'm shot out of a cannon and it just um it's rigorous. It's everything that I could want is um as as a role. It's demands Mm. um, everything that I had and for me to go get some more. Some more understanding, Mm. some more uh, resilience, some more emotional like uh, (laughs) wellspring. Just just more. And so, I mean, it's it's just amazing. Um, You... You probably need a youthful spirit and an old soul at the same time in order to oh. um, find, may find to her. That of her that,
7: may I add to that, mm-hmm. too, that everything that she's talking about, about how, how all of those thoughts and those emotions exist simultaneously is really mm-hmm. um, what we're going for with the production in terms of the thought that Tony gives us, which is that everything is now. So in the original mm-hmm. production, Violet was actually split into two characters, like it were two actresses oh. playing Violet and Country Violet. And it mm. was actually something C. Kelly said in a workshop. She said when we did a workshop at Marin, she said, "Well, it, it kind of makes more sense if if, if if it's the same actor." And she's absolutely right about that. And so based on you telling me that, C. Kelly, that was what made me go back <laughs> to wow. uh, to making to making it one character because. Because we do, as, as, you know, jazz, jazz to me is being able to live with your beginnings, your middles and your ends all at the same time. Like anybody can Mm -hmm. close their eyes in this moment and remember being six, or 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 imagine being 80. And so everything is now, you know, oh, shit, As I'm about to have a car accident. (laughs) No, 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 don't do that. Well, I mean, I I saw him at the last minute. Thank you, God, I didn't get hit. Um, so, yeah, so just, like, so everything that she's talking about, about going through all of that in the span of two hours, like, that's sort of the metaphor of jazz, is that we learn to live with all of these things simultaneously. And yes. they inform our music. <laughs> they inform our music and how we move through life. It's mm-hmm. interesting.
8: Yeah, I, I came to this, I was working on a project, a very comprehensive jazz tree that um, crosses uh, the waters and 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 gives us a full look at all these genres that we call different things, but how they how they came out of this great African American art form, and mm-hmm. uh, and so someone in in our research said uh, for them jazz is. Is the music that is um, composed and executed simultaneously?
0: Oh, so, oh we wow. are. Nice.
8: Yeah. You, uh, so we're playing it and making it at the mm-hmm. same time. And for the African American, especially in that time, planning. <laughs> we can it's still you know you can plan and then you have to prepare for what happens but but when there were so many things uh, out of our control uh, so many elements that could come in and change everything Joe and Violet didn't uh, they they didn't lose their home by natural causes so uh, they didn't come North necessarily because that was the plan Mm. it was the improvisation Mm. of the the place and time that they were in they shifted that place and time to try to keep moving forward Mm. and that's jazz and that's being black (laughs) that's being black that's, we, that's what. That's, that's why. That's why we claim it. I mean, it's, we claim it because it's ours. But we're still uh, claiming.
1: It as a uh, people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Um. Be, I don't know what. I don't know how soon you're gonna have to get out your car, uh, Nambi. But I wanted to ask you if you both could talk about the haunting, um, because um, your character, T. Um, Kelly, um, Violet is haunted by Dorcas and. Uh, and then Dorcas is so interesting, um uh Desi Soleil plays Dorcas but she also plays Wilde who is the mother, um, Michael Jean Sullivan, um uh his character Joe Trace, you know, he's married to Violet, um, um and uh and he also plays Country Joe. And and, and he's haunted by his mother Wilde, who he just wants to get a glimpse of as he sits in a tree and then he falls on the tree and hits Violet, Country Violet and you know, and then and she's wandering off trying to find her fortune and both of them say, No children Um, yeah, it's just it's just so interesting, you know, this haunting. Um and, and even Margot Hall's um you know, Alex Manfred um, you know, uh, Dorcas's um great i think she's her auntie um Uh she's kind of she's she's haunted and and so that's why she really can't give in to the musical kind of um uh, expression you know that could really help free her spirit so to speak she just can't Uh let go like that because maybe she feels that if she let go she would lose herself in the spirit you know releasing all that stuff that black people had to hold in to live in the north um Because, you know, it's just like, it's not like it got better when they left the country. Um, You know, when when, um, your character, um, C. Kelly Violet, and and her partner, um, Joe Trace, migrated. It's not because they wanted to. It's because someone took, some people took their land because they could.
8: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, uh, it's not... To me it's not that supernatural an idea because uh if if you are if you are betrayed in any way by love or life, however it occurs, it, it can become uh it can become the thing that you you the only thing you can think about. The hows, the whys, when we've been uh when we've been conned or when we've been uh, uh, tricked by someone, you just play it over and over in your head trying to come up with the how, the when, the why, all the answers because all you have is questions and that's where Violet finds herself. She has questions she didn't even know she had and there's nobody to give her answers to. Because she's looked and she's, you know, she's got everything she can find out. She just needs, she needs to process this, and she doesn't, she doesn't know where to begin. And this becomes an object of, uh, of a, of a, a very deep need. It's not so much dark, it's, it's answers because. Violet seems to always be staring down at the dead person and asking for answers. So, um... <laughs> um... I... I would... Yeah. I'll just, go
0: ahead,
7: uh, to Kelly. I'm sorry.
1: No, no. no, 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 no you mommy, go, go ahead, because... Go,
7: go ahead. I was just going to say that, um... The the, the haunting of, of Dorcas, um... Like it, uh, it's absolutely what C. Kelly's talking. Oh, can y'all hear me?
0: Mhm.
5: Yes.
7: Okay. Cool. It's absolutely what C. Kelly is talking about. About um, you know, this search for answers, and I think it's it's our search for answers as a people, and our search for answers, you know, like you know, in terms of you know our youth and how we take care of our youth, and and how you know, and how our world does not take care of our youth too. Like we're haunted by these young people. And, you know, I think about it. I mean, this is not necessarily what Tony is saying, but I think about it in relationship to Black Lives Matter, you know, and the whole argument of, you know, if, um, if Black people are killing each other, then why do we really matter? And I, I absolutely think that for where I sit, like it's a, that haunting is a, is a conversation and it's a call to action as well about how do we take care of our youth and how do we take care of each other and how do we continue to grow in this new land that is not ours, you know? Because it's not ours. Mm-hmm. It's not our land. We were brought here. We were forced here. And so how do you make a way out of no way? It's what Alice says. You know, you got to make it. You got to take it. Whatever the story is, whatever the narrative is, you got to take it and you got to make it. And so it's... um. And, and that's just one aspect of it, you know. I think it's um, it's a multi-layered and very complicated conversation, and uh, that's the thing that that always sort of grabbed me about it is, Violet, you know, brings this young woman's picture into their home, and she sets mm-hmm. it on the on the mantle, for you know, and it essentially, you know, the ghost of this girl, the spirit of this girl, takes over takes over and uh it it and it takes over her mind and it takes over his heart and and like how do you reckon with that? How do you reckon with that is is such a,
1: a viable and important question, you know.
7: Mhm.
1: Yeah. And I also think about, you know, sort of the way that the story goes, you know, it takes place, um, you know, we start with the funeral and we go back to see sort of what led up to uh to the funeral and the person who was killed, Dorcas and, and then and then um disfigured while she lay dead there, you know. Um mm-hmm. uh and you mentioned um sort of how do we take care of our children and I was thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, Dorcas's story, you know, being orphaned and, and how, you know, there there was no there was no funeral. There was no uh, opportunity to grieve, particularly for her dolls, right, which were like yeah. the next generation, you know, they were another incarnation, and, and she missed mm-hmm. her dolls. She missed her parents too, but she missed her dolls. And then and then she witnessed, you know, the consumption by fire, right? I'm like, dang,
7: right. you know, to know and that the of her trauma, mother and father. Is, yeah. yeah. The layers mm-hmm. of trauma that that is for for us as a people, for generations, mm-hmm. you know, that stuff reverberates, you know, it's not just, yeah. I mean, when Tony talks about everything is now, that's that's still in our spirit, that's still in our DNA, you know, and how do yeah. you mm-hmm. recognize and, that?
8: And I mean, when mm-hmm. you think about yeah. something like uh, watching a, a sister get shot five times and then going into work, you know, mm, and mm-hmm, doing a mm-hmm. play, um, mm. and like asking for money and not talking. About, you know, it's just like okay, there's that was terrible.
0: Mhm.
8: And this isn't, and and yet we we have to just keep moving. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: You know, we we have yeah. to just constantly just keep moving. We can't ever just like this is important. We have to stop everything. Mm-hmm. So we we just have to keep going, and Dorcas uh, dies, and somehow Alice is uh, is has her time spent taking care of uh, someone who's not her responsibility and not her. just out of the like understanding need and understanding love and needing love, and it just mm-hmm. gets all so confusing that we can't like deal with each individual thing in life. You know, it's like uh-huh. okay, she, she had to heal herself through me somehow.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
8: you know, it's like uh well, I have questions too and I just need to get I just need to get through this. I need to talk it I I mean, it's it's just wild how our community has to always uh do this dance mm. you know do this mm-hmm. dance uh yeah let's not deal with the trauma you know i can't i'm i'm experiencing trauma but i don't have really time to deal with it this is not the forum for that this is not the this is not the time you don't have the opportunity to be um delicate or you know, it's mm-hmm. just it's just wild. Yeah. yeah soft. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you stay in your that that too long, you will lose everybody because mm-hmm. they're gone. Right. Like you, you just can't. Just like Alice says to Dorcas, you can't just sit there. You got to come on. You got to get up. Mm-hmm. I know this terrible thing happened to you, but it, if, if it takes you, then you know it, you're just making it more terrible. Just get up. Get beyond it.
1: It's, mm. Yeah. Yanabi, yeah, you were yeah. going to say something?
7: I was just going to add that um, that I think that's, that's jazz, right? Like, Tony's giving yeah. us a roadmap for how to deal with trauma and grief, and it's to learn to dance within it, you know?
1: Mm.
5: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. I was thinking... um, uh, Nambi, about your juxtaposition of of Joe Trace and uh, and Henry Lestroy. Lest, Lest, uh is it Lestroy or Lestory? How do you pronounce his name? I can't, Lest, quite re- can't
7: quite remember where the aura goes.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Dane, Dane Troy's character, who is really so, you know. So we've got Dorcas in the middle, and then we've got, you know, um, you know um, Henry, and we've got Joe. Joe is old. And he's too old uh to be messed with this child who could be his daughter and then and then Henry, he's you know, he doesn't like her, but she really likes him. <laughs> and and he doesn't he doesn't then like then the way he looks. And Acton. and Acton. Hmm? Pardon me? Acton. Yeah, oh oh the acting is the part oh Acton is the one. Okay, yeah, because he plays three characters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actin, right, exactly. Acton doesn't like uh Dorcas. And then and then Dorcas has this wonderful little friend, um, portrayed by Tiffany Tanille, um, uh, Felice. And and Felice is really self assured and, and and knows her gifts. I, I really like her. I mean, I just love the writing around her. She is mm-hmm. she is really wonderfully done. Um, yeah, and then also, you know, we have, you know, Lisa Lacey's um Country Gossip and and, and Malvon. And Malvon I guess is the one who's sort of taking the money from from Joe, right? Um mm-hmm. to do what he does. Which is wrong. But hey, his money. Um <laughs> like, oh, Yeah. But back to um, you know, these these two men with, you know, uh Dorcas in the middle and then we've got uh Felice who is sort of um uh she's like uh the counter argument, you know, for Dorcas because Tiffany's character, Felice doesn't have that kind of trauma that she's trying to work through. And then on top of that, um, you know, Dorcas's presentation, you know, she's got straight hair, she's got a lighter complexion and, and people are not feeling beauty there. And she also mm. has, um, marks in her face. I, I believe, um, was how how mm-hmm.
6: she described
1: herself.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, sort of the juxtaposition of of these two male characters and the two female characters. Mm. The juxtaposition of the two male and
7: two female characters. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because like we have, um, cause we have like Dorcas in the middle of the two men, two male characters. But then Tiffany is like a, you know, she's. It sort of reminds me of Toni Morrison's um, books, uh, Sula. You know about the two girlfriends, mm-hmm. and um, you know in this in this these these this coupling, you know of the two of Dorcas and um Anne and Felice, they could mm-hmm. be like those two girls in Sula, and one you know, they don't both survive. But they do love each other. Mm -hmm. And the one that doesn't survive. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. The one that doesn't survive. Go ahead. Oh well, she, you know, her friend still loves her. You know, she just can't. You know, you just can't save people. They have to. People have to save themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, want to want to like hold their head up out of the water. Don't just like put your head on your chin if I'm trying to help you. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and we're both in the water. Mhm.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that um, I think that you just did a really good job
7: of explaining. That's all I wasn't sure what the question was because it it seemed like you did a really good job of explaining oh. who the characters are oh, and, and how who, how they oh. are. Yeah, you you answered the question. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I got
0: nothing to
8: add to that. Did <laughs> <No, well, laughs> that better than I could have ever. Oh. So.
1: <laughs> Listen, my ladies, um, I I have to I have to skedaddle. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, wow. thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think I think the timing is just perfect. You know, to have this play. You know, at the time when, you know, we had the 400-year return, you know, to Africa, yes. more specifically. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Malcolm X's birthday is on Sunday, and the plague runs through Sunday. And Malcolm X, you know, started the organization of Afro-American Unity, you know, mm-hmm. similar to, you know, the organization that um, uh, President Kwame Nkrumah founded um, you mm-hmm. know, along the same, same um uh, idea, And he actually presented there. So I just think universally, you know, like the universal consciousness, like to have this play jazz happening right now in this moment is just so perfect. And let me know mm-hmm. where you're going to do it for the third time. I want to come see what happens to uh, the parrot. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I want to well, see fingers,
7: uh, fingers crossed. There was a producer in the house last night, so I hope it was a good show. Ooh.
0: <laughs> Good show Ooh.
7: last night. Oh good,
1: good good, good. It was I heard some too. people. Oh mm-hmm. good. Nice. Right, nice. good, nice, nice, nice. Great, Beautiful. great. <laughs> yeah. All right.
8: I mean, I right, had good people. I, I had nine people in the house last night,
4: myself. Ooh. Oh right. nice. Okay.
8: I only knew about two of them, so it was really exciting. Oh, how nice. <laughs> That's wonderful. <of> <laughs> i
1: was like, oh yeah. Yeah, I have to go. All right, you take okay. care. Have a good day. I love you. Nancy. Thank you. I love you too, C. Kelly. Thank you, Wanda. Okay. You're, welcome. You're welcome. Bye. 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 So, yeah. C. Kelly.
0: Yes. So, what
1: is, what are some of your favorite moments in the play? Um, it's so heavy. <laughs> so, oh, okay. what are some of your favorite moments? Uh, well,
8: um, my, I mean, it's, it's one of my darker moments, but I, I'm fond of the top of the show. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's <laughs> partly because it's an, it's an emotional place that, uh, one seldom needs to go. Cause it's all the way there and that it requires me to, you know, start by just giving in to the character completely, like just um, pedal to the metal, as they would say. And I mean, but I I love uh finding love on stage. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and and Michael Jean is is a great person to work off. Um, I think I I just I mean I I love the back and forthness of it. Um, mm-hmm. I I love all of the memory work. Um, because is everything is now. If you mm-hmm. if you can really lock that concept in, then it's not the same kind of challenge Mm
5: -hmm. Um,
8: and that was a journey for me because I think um, as an actor I'm kind of a naturalist so you Mm -hmm. know it's like if I'm in an emotional place it I, 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 I would naturally Find the process for how do I get myself out of it, but with this piece moving so fast, um, and the times shifting the way they do. Once one moment is played and over, it's done,
7: mm-hmm.
0: and you
8: can't really sit in any one place too long. So, um,
0: mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm. so that that was an interesting. Thing to find and to um find the rhythm for and mm-hmm. done and on it, it, i don't the audience doesn't need to sit in everything
1: forever yeah, they, that's good, think, it keeps moving, yeah, <laughs> yeah
8: you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, but and but an actor can easily uh find themselves. Just resting in a place that's dark or resting in a place that's light or, and, and that's a problem. That's an issue for my character because as the actor, I don't really want to even experience some of those sadder places. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to paint those colors. So Oftentimes, I found in the rehearsal process that I I would I would soften uh, my approach to something just because I had been so hard in maybe just the earlier. But it's like for Violet, there is very little rest, and it really wouldn't make mm. sense. If I had all these places to to just be in my softness, be in my hurt, be in whatever I'm in, like, why would I wind up where I did if I had those moments? And since, you know, the audience has already seen the end at the beginning, I mean and you just need to understand how i got there right exactly. and violet mm-hmm. there um the director told me something early uh, well in the middle mm-hmm. of the process probably she said there is no rest for violet there's mm-hmm. no rest mm-hmm. um and and that kind of uh let me and i guess she was thinking the same way there's music in the show And you know that I sing, but I do very little of the actual singing in the show. Um, And it's mainly because that music is an outlet. Music uh, is what saves us sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I, I think for me emotionally, if Violet had music, If Violet had a song she could sing or lament that she could uh, wail, then Mm -hmm. she probably wouldn't have found herself in the place she was in.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that is such a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
8: because we sang, Mm -hmm. you know, we sang in the cotton fields to release some of that to have Mm -hmm. some power to change our immediate circumstance in a song. But Mm -hmm. Violet couldn't possibly have had that because she would have, she probably wouldn't have done what she did.
1: Yeah, I'm sure she wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and and that that's really that's really interesting, um, that point because, you know, at some point, you know, Viola just goes completely silent. It just it's uh-huh. just you know, she can't find herself in herself. She's she's right. destroyed so much of what's important that there is no there. She has a yeah. she has to sort of recreate yeah. the there. She is like a empty vessel at you know, at at the end like, wow, you know, you know, every month there's an opportunity, right, for life and and she she um she rids herself of that opportunity um you know very well, methodically
8: time, time rid time-, time rids her of that opportunity um mm-hmm.
1: but she's not eventually
8: attention. uh yeah mm-hmm. and 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 that's i mean that's that's where that's where we find her um in that in that last beat that you're talking about but She's. I mean, she, I, I've I've had uh, I've had love, and and the interesting thing, she she did grow silent, but you'll see that that's that's in Joe's mind. Mm-hmm. Because in Violet's side, she never goes silent how mm-hmm. she sees it. It's just the way Joe saw things. Um, mm-hmm. Or in part, it's the way Joe saw things. Because mm-hmm. w- the things that he wanted to talk about, there were no words for. The things that she wanted to talk about, there were no words for. Right. And she didn't yeah. have any space for his ramblings. Um mm-hmm. So, and, you know, they made the decision together, but she was making these decisions without him. Uh, So, she was Mm -hmm.
1: holding all the baggage. Exactly, yeah. Um, You know, know, they both decided, yeah, they weren't going to Mm have to.
8: You know, to him, they were great. She just shut him out for no apparent reason. She mm-hmm. just she just all of a sudden wasn't available. And that's why it comes across that way. It's not what's so, it's mm-hmm. just how he felt about it. Mhm. Um, right,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, they weren't communicating, definitely. Mhm. And yeah. they probably, and, and I through-
8: mean, to some degree, they were communicating until they got to the point where silence was louder than the talking. It's like, um, if I say this, it's going to lead me to this. If, if I want to mm-hmm. talk about kids, but we've already decided,
1: we're not having any. Yeah. Con-
8: then I just have that conversation with myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: And I don't include you. And people mm-hmm. in relationships. Can understand that sometimes you're living with somebody, um, and they're open to other things, but just not this or just not that. Or you have you're at an impasse on something, and just Mm -hmm. just gets to be a lot of silence.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a lot of silence, right, yeah A lot of silence But you are You're
8: Driving somewhere to yeah. go entertain and be social with people But in the car, mm-hmm. there's no talking mm-hmm. I think people in mm-hmm. relationships can relate to that You get out the car and you start talking to people
1: mm-hmm. But for your face, right. there's yeah. no conversation mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, then, you know, we sort of like We already talked about, you know, the... um the unspoken and unresolved uh trauma that you know these these two um adults have experienced um you know whether we're talking about their the missing mother the mothers who are are not in their lives and the fathers either um and uh and then and then they get together and um and the trauma of racism and structural uh violence and how you know after working on the land and 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 realizing you know some um, bounty, it just gets taken away from Joe. Like wow, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he can't fight that. That's that's traumatic because they they yep. said they never wanted to go north. They wanted to stay, you know, on the land because there was there's yeah. some kind of there's healing in being able to to you know grow something out of soil and be able to touch the earth. Um that was mm-hmm. that you know, who knows what have happened if they would have stayed there. Maybe they would have rethought their dis their, their decision to not have children after they had had a chance mm-hmm. to be in nature and be with each other and love each other into wholeness perhaps. Right. But that doesn't happen. Mm mm.
8: There's
1: no opportunity. No. Yeah. Um yeah. I have a question for you, and then I'm gonna let you go because um, you have to work today. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit about. I was wondering, and I was gonna ask Nambi, but um, but she had to go, and I forgot um, that I had written this down. Um, I was wondering if um, if if um, how how the music, you know, the actual score. Um, sort of impacts your performance and your character. Um, and I was wondering, because I, I envision, you know, live performance, and I was just wondering, even if they weren't visible, but they were, like, on the side, because I know sometimes um, there's a live uh, live music, live musicians, mm-hmm. and they're playing off, and we don't see them, and then they come out and we see them. and Because uh, then, then it would be... Um, the it, each night it would be different. Each afternoon it would be different because the musicians would be responding to, you know, the yeah. actors who are like dancing with them. Which mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think when that happens, that's so marvelous. And it's not. And it's you know, it doesn't. It's not a musical necessarily. Like it doesn't have to be a musical for there to be live music, um, in you know, as a part of the storytelling. Because I think about. Uh, in our in our cultural history, um, you know, somebody you know with the with a a banjo or a guitar or a flute mm-hmm. or you know just like and we sitting around and people telling stories and there's music as a part of right you know this 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 tapestry. So yeah, I was just wondering because I don't remember like I don't remember like what was playing when you know this happened you know or what was playing when that happened. I can't remember. I remember the beginning when there was nothing, and I remember the end when it was kind of quiet, and I remember the dance parts. But the other parts where I know there was music, I don't remember what was playing.
8: And um, I'm sure that will be expanded. I think the the live music you're talking about, uh, that's for the Broadway show. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay and, um, okay no that problem. that takes a different kind of budget um okay, and then, with this um music being developed for this piece um, I think uh we have now a better idea of what types of music works I mean, there were some some individual compositions, some original compositions by mm-hmm. Marcus, and a lot of the music is just time period. Um,
1: oh, okay. Uh, uh,
8: um. So, it's just, you know, I think uh, the music was to provide a backdrop for the period. Mm -hmm. Um, The music was designed and intended to be a time stamp for where we are Mm -hmm. um, in time. So, uh, you know, for the very astute jazz aficionado they they might get a little bit more out of it it's like ah yes that's you know in that period they were the banjo was very strong or you know this mm-hmm. or that but that is, is still um, probably because that's the piece that was added into this particular production that the next one will flesh that out even more Um, but like the music, there's music for the frame, not to get the Mm -hmm. whole piece away, but there's, you know, there's music for Dorcas and music for the country and, and Mm -hmm. music for the city. And it's, yeah, it's just, in Tony's book, there's jazz playing as she's talking. Mm -hmm. Okay, but um, and this way, it's kind of the same, so there's
0: mm-hmm.
8: there's a backdrop of music, but music isn't the focal point of the piece, it's just done mm-hmm. um accented by the music, but mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. that um in following in in uh following productions, there will be more. Um, music impact.
2: And Paige, you were talking
8: about her, but she's pretty incredible because, I mean, Mm -hmm. you can uh, Paige and Dane, I would say um, their roles were stretched Mm -hmm. beyond what they said yes to originally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, they were Mm -hmm. Really, they were, you know, supporting actors in this storytelling and Paige becoming uh the device by which we see mm-hmm. the city. We we see the information getting tossed around and spread around and she is like the Aunt Esther of jazz. Mhm. She yes. she encompasses the music of the time because you know parents have always been able to capture music and mm-hmm. spit it back out. So mm-hmm. I love what Nambi was talking about about her encompassing all of music. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but
1: yeah, and then you're right with, about Dane um, being being like. It's interesting how these characters have like their um uh their counter you know, the counter narrative. Like, you know, we've mm-hmm. got Dane Troy's, uh, you know, Henry and Acton and Country Drunk and Numbers Runner and then and mm-hmm. then we have Paige Myers, you know, Parrot and Golden Gray. And yeah, and and they are they're kinda like outsiders but they mm-hmm. are definitely manipulating stuff. Like you could almost see them as sort of like the um, the uh omnipresent kind of kind of uh voice that is uh-huh. omnipotent, you know, sort of making things work the way they work. <laughs> you know, people think they have free will. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, there, there, yeah. you know, these other forces are happening, and and they represent these other forces, or give give uh give persona to these other forces.
0: Uh huh. Which
1: is kind of yeah, right. Yeah. Oh wow Yeah thank you for that So did I miss it in the program And uh, maybe you could tell me um, I can ask for it But are all of the The songs listed That the ones that are original And the ones that are period Are they listed in the program That Marcus well, that um, is Great question
8: um, I doubt it Okay But I, I neither know that for sure or not. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, okay, I'll ask as I peruse
8: okay. through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay,
5: yeah,
8: yes. Um, I don't know that the music is actually listed. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'm looking and I don't see it, not okay. in the script. I think, you know, th- there's interesting stuff with the difference between a play and a musical. Mm-hmm. So right. it is definitely not a, a musical. It's a play with music. Right, exactly. So that's probably why the music isn't separately listed, because if it were a musical, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm then it would be, but because this is um, supporting music and mm-hmm. it's not designed to forward the story, which kind of makes mm-hmm. a play a musical, mm-hmm. um, then
1: it's not listed in here. Right, yeah, because, um, you know, when you mention that, it, um, it sort of marks the periods as we move, you know, from one era to another, from one
0: mm-hmm. period to
1: another then I'm thinking, oh, later on, you know, I could go look it up and like, Oh, okay, yeah, this is that and this related to that and so then I could since you know, I wasn't recognizing anything by the tune. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd have to recognize it. I'd have to do some research by the name of the of the piece and and the um uh, uh and the composer um or a performer, and then and then their the mm-hmm. original pieces. Okay, well I'll ask about that because yeah, because um, because Marcus is so brilliant. I I know there's, you know, there's a, and, and considering how how long, you know, uh, Nambi and Marcus and Jason met, you know, to work this out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just as important, you know, as as the spoken parts of uh, of the work. Because it's there,
5: yeah,
6: and I
1: just want to like really like sort of give it the kind of um, attention that maybe that would help me sort of go even deeper on the work that you all are doing <laughs> on stage. Cause it's like, oh my God, audience is so deep. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and you all, and you all have um, tonight, Wednesday. There is a. Um, there's some special things that are happening and Wednesday night there's a pre talk a pre show talk at seven ten. Yeah. And and then after all shows there's a post show Q and A uh, led by a member of the artistic staff at um Ren Theater uh company and and sometimes um uh performers come out but on um, most uh see most shows, particularly um the opening closing nights and Saturdays um it says that folks don't come out like from the cast so people should try to attend Well they don't
8: have they, they don't have walk. a discussion on opening or closing night
1: and they oh, don't Okay so there's oh okay and so they, there's and no there's Saturdays, no discussion on Sunday mhm right um
8: most most um Saturdays because we have two shows, they tend right. to not because we could wind up, yeah, missing meals. Yeah, you That's need that between. No, right. No, I'm sure it so doesn't. they yeah. they try to not do them on that, but otherwise, yeah, there's post show discussions, and the actors are not uh, required to be there, although most mm-hmm. of us uh, attend. Um. Most of the actors in this cast are very interested in the subject matter and interested in what people's takeaway is. That's kind of unusual. Uh, I I think this cast, I can safely say that we all feel very highly and strongly about Nambi and her work. And mm-hmm. so, more than just artists, we're also like more like ambassadors for her work. It's like everyone seems to just have an interest in making sure people are getting the <laughs> full story. Mm-hmm.
1: So right, we've right, had a yeah,
8: activity, a lot of activity around
1: the um, post show talks. Oh, excellent, excellent. And uh, and performances in the evening are at 7.30 p.m. Um, and on Saturday two and, 2 and 7.30, and then Sunday closings is at 2 p.m. It's a matinee, not an evening. Yes. So uh, folks need to visit marintheater.org, uh, theater spelled T-R-E at the end, and get your tickets, and um, you can ask and see if there are any discounts that might be applicable because there are... Quite a few. Try industry
8: um, twenty. I'll give it to all your radio listeners. Cause industry, industry twenty. Industry. Industry. No, in I N D U S T R Y industry twenty.
1: Oh, industry. Oh, industry. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. indiscreet. Okay. Twenty. Okay. Right. Oh, wow. Try that. Okay. <laughs> indiscreet. Okay, that's cute. Oh, industry twenty. Okay, cool. Yeah, and um, and then um, they also have twenty five dollar tickets in selected seats um, throughout the run, and you can call four one five three eight eight five two zero eight. And they have group tickets, and they have four dollars off on senior tickets sixty five plus. There's twenty five dollars for under thirty all the time available online. For teens, it's ten dollars all performances. Also available online. Military gets $6 off. And then they have an educator, $12 for all performances. Limit to, isn't that crazy amazing? $12. Yeah, but you have to work in a Marin County school. I'm like, oh, that's messed up. Hmm. So for those who live yeah, in Marin better. County, <laughs> you get a really good discounted discount twelve dollars Just use C.
8: Kelly's Industry 20 and get a $20. Yeah,
1: cookie. yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah. Twenty dollars. That's, that's awesome. That's a very good deal. Yeah, that's better than all of these. <laughs> Unless you're a kid. Right. Wow, wow. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's over and we never got the chance to get together. I'll be darned. Wow.
8: I know. Except for just just on the phone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, just
6: on the phone. Oh. I
8: did say that opening, though. That was wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, right. All righty. Well, I want to thank you for, for this. This has been lovely, and I will give you a jingle um, when we're on, not on the air, and maybe I'll come see you again on stage, and we can hang out in the lobby. <laughs> yeah
8: my you know my my phd uh candidate daughter is
1: mm-hmm.
8: coming in in an hour or so oh lovely so she'll be here oh, for the rest good. of the run yeah nice, nice. Bay is in oh. east bay
1: okay okay she lives she lives here
8: she is she is from you know she we grew up oh yeah here but mm-hmm. She is at UNC Chapel Hill getting her Ph.D. right now in epidemiology. Mm -hmm. And and we're very proud
1: of her. But she wants to come and support
8: her mom and NUMB and Jazz. So Mm -hmm. she's
1: flying out. Okay, so so she's flying out just for this. That's so awesome. Yes. Cool, cool. That's wonderful. Okay, well, um, I hope her flight is smooth and uneventful and um, yes. yeah, And I know you're going to have a wonderful reunion when she lands yes
6: I can't wait I'm so excited, <laughs> so excited.
1: alrighty will you take good care see Kelly and tell her congratulations on this wonderful
7: this? you know
1: work um, yeah to keep me posted on what, what her research involves okay I will because it's all okay, about super. us Oh, always, you know, I, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. You know where her mother is. Yeah, <laughs> and her mm-hmm. auntie and her ancestors, and you know, I don't know, I don't know her dad, but you know, I'm sure it's all all connected. <laughs> yeah, it is.
8: It is. Mm-hmm. And I will see you soon.
1: I hope. Yeah. Alrighty. You take care.
8: <laughs> okay. Mwah. Bye-bye. Peace.
0: Bye
1: bye. Bye everyone. And <laughs> So we are gonna close with um you know, I can't let you uh not hear Renee Marie's lift every voice sung to the Star Spangled Banner. So we're gonna go out with that. Thanks so much for tuning in for another edition of Wanda's Picks. And we're gonna have a special broadcast tomorrow from nine to eleven. Gonna be featuring, um uh, let's see, um let me I'll tell you real quickly. <laughs> um Amma Robinson, who is um uh director of uh, California lawyers for the arts she's going to be talking to us about a recent um um, um i guess uh, survey uh and which consisted of a series of conferences throughout the uh, the United States and various regions to look at uh, sort of the power of art and corrections. And uh, so she's going to join us to talk about sort of the findings and the um, uh, and the report that came out of that. And then there's a conference uh, every, I think every other year, there's an art and corrections conference, and this year it's going to be at Santa Clara University. And so that is coming up in this summer, this June, end of June. And uh, and then we're going to be spending the rest of the time talking to um um let's see, um the San Francisco um Andrew um let's see, San Francisco uh arts uh international San Francisco International Arts Festival and um with Andrew Woods and so we're gonna be talking to him and perhaps um well actually not perhaps and speaking to some of the artists that are going to be um participating this year and the theme this year is the path to democracy and so that starts it's going to be at the fort mason center for art and, Cult- Arts and culture and that begins thursday may 23rd next week and it continues through sunday june 2nd you can visit Visit sfiaf.sanfranciscointernationalartsfestival.org or call 415-399-9554 to um, to find out more information and get tickets. So again, um, Renee Marie, lift every voice. Lift every voice
0: and. Till earth and heaven Ring Ring with a heart